Bless up for tuning in to Project Cheney. Magic happens when you question everything. Conspirituality becomes reality, weirdness is welcomed, and it's okay to change your mind. Big up yourself. Um. Hey, you guys. Welcome to another episode of Project Cheney. As always, I'm your host, Cheney. I am recording this episode. This episode was supposed to be in one of my original four that was released. Um, But the way the universe works, and sometimes the way the universe works, uh, my big, huge plans uh, turned a little smaller, but because I usually try to give myself unreachable goals, even when I accomplish just halfway marks, they're usually pretty okay. So I got three episodes out and this was going to be my fourth uh, with Lindsay from Rogueways. I'm recording the intro actually Tuesday night under the full moon, the full pink scorpion moon. It seems appropriate, at least for me, to do it uh, this right up against the wall. I anticipated having all the editing done and get this out at like 12.01 Tuesday. Um, But yeah, I'm just kind of going with the flow of it and feeling good about it. And I really wanted to wrap my whole head around recording this intro about Lindsay. Um, I was one of the degenerates who went to Washington, D.C. on the 6th. And, um, you know, the reality of it was it was a very magical, wonderful day in the beginning. And we saw a lot of speakers and the people were wonderful. And the vibe was just so high. And then, you know, the whole capital thing. And I, I know what the news says about it. And I know a lot of people that listen to this show are conspiracy minded already, but I have to reiterate what a playhouse that Capitol riot was and not that people actually didn't get injured, you know, um, some scrapes and bruises and whatever. And I can't really verify or not if there was actual deaths that were caused in any way, shape or form, uh, by anything I witnessed at the Capitol and people did get tear gassed and stuff, but it was, um, a big facade. It was a, uh, uh, something that was set up to kind of elicit an emotion out of America. And it was preemptively planned for all that to unfold so that the average American would witness, um, I believe, something that was going to be a lot worse. I think uh, it was going to be a huge false flag event and there was going to be a lot of casualties And I don't know why there wasn't that day. I think everything in my being, it was set up for like an energetic powder keg to go off. But there was something so unreal and magical and light and bigger than anything dark that was trying to like emerge that day. I know this is such a fantastical way to talk about an event that the news and, um, you know, maybe even 
in a conspiracy tinfoil hat community has just been like one of those things that makes you roll your eyes like, oh, I don't want to talk about the domestic terrorists uh, or whatever you think about it. Or I don't want to talk about the QAnons or I don't want to talk about the Antifa or I don't want to talk about the Proud Boys or I don't want to talk about that. I don't want to talk about But um, the reality is, is there is before the Capitol, there was a really wonderful day and uh, it was just crazy and driving there. I didn't know that I was ever going to go to the capital, Washington, D.C. I never thought I was going to be a person that cared about my country. I really didn't know what was going on in my life. And I had known Lindsay from Rogue Ways. Um, I had had the opportunity and like the blessing to share podcast space with her maybe once or twice before. And um, she heard I was going to the capital and she reached out and, you know, offered me like some kind of financial support at the time. And, uh, you know, money's not my thing. And it didn't seem like her thing either, even though she offered it. And she just, you know, she's a spiritual healer. I don't even want to give her the wrong title. I always feel weird um, speaking in that realm about what these type of people do. Uh, and she does tarot and she does readings and she's an artist and a jewelry maker and an author. Uh, but she, I knew she did something different than I had ever really uh, believed in maybe before, but I did believe in it now. And so I was like, I don't know what kind of what you do, but maybe you can send me one of those blessings you speak of. <laughs> and, um, she did. And I felt it. I felt just safe. And I wasn't going to make any dumb decisions. And I wasn't going to put my pride and let it put me in harm's way. But I did feel safe. And I did feel um, like the sense of ancestors or spirit guides or uh, past lifetimes or something different than any books I had read before, different than a Bible or, uh, you know, religious history. It was something different. And, uh, it wasn't because of Lindsay that all this was happening to me and my own spiritual awakening, but she just had this really big handle on being a grounding force when I felt like I was in the middle of a hurricane and I really don't think she knew, or maybe she did sometimes. That's what else I'm starting to think. <laughs> I'm like all these people that have been holding space and been the, you know, crystal holding, you know, I don't know how other people see spiritually woke people, the woo woo and the tarot, but, uh, once you're willing to open up to it, there's a whole nother side of energy than just the stuff in your telephone poles and just the, um, you know, there's a whole different kind of currency than your money. Uh, and Lindsay, somebody who is a facilitator of that energy. And I have dear friends that have gotten readings from her and I've met a lot of amazing people from her channels and chat rooms. And, uh, I really, if you guys take the opportunity, if you're feeling a little woo woo, or if you're leaning that way, Lindsay's a perfect person, um, to kind of delve in with. She's not just 
like that crazy, you know, I, I don't know how everybody pictures the crystal lady and I don't want to project of what I used to picture the crystal lady with her oracle used to be like, but there's something very logical and sound and smart about Lindsay and her honesty of her journey and how she got here. Uh, she has no shame or she, what, or the shame or guilt that she does have. It just seems so healthily worked through. Um, yeah, I could keep talking all night, but I really hope you guys enjoy this interview with Lindsay from Rogueways. to have with me today, Lindsay from Rogueways. How are you? I am so good. How are you? It's so good to be here. And I, I'm very excited that I get to be in your like first bunch of people in your show. So thank you. It's an honor. You um, were a really important person in my life. I feel like you were grounding when I was realizing that the world was magic. You were like Excellent. this grounding, stable force when I was like, holy shit, I think everything in the world that I've ever seen in movies might be real. Yeah. <laughs> and you just seemed That's... like, yes, it is real. Now we carry on. Like, I don't know why. Yeah. It just seemed very like, yes, I've dealt with all this before. Hold on tight. That's exactly, I love hearing that because that's exactly my intention in the world. I was like, all right, people are going to realize at some point like how weird shit actually is. And I'm just going to like try to help them through that because nobody was there to do that for me. And that's a scary process to go through alone uh, to have to get out, the, you know, until the other side where you realize like, oh, I just lived through that. And although it like broke all of my paradigms and radically altered and reoriented me to like what's going on in the world, I'm still here and I'm still whole and I'm actually like better than I was before. And so if you have like someone to help you ground that out and get through that, like how beautiful is that? So I'm grateful that I can do that and that that is the experience you had. <laughs> Did when did you realize the world was magic? Like when did you realize it wasn't what your parents were telling you or your church? I don't even that's a yeah. whole loaded question. That's not <laughs> even normally my first question, but <laughs> <laughs> but it's the question now. I I would have to say my first real you know, strong realization that things were absolutely different than it. anyone had ever helped me understand or expect was when I had what I now look back at and see as like a demonic or negative entity, um, like seriously messing with me and probably trying to do some damage. I sometimes waver now when I look back where I'm like, well, what if it was actually like a part of me or something that was like creating this illusion that it was so evil and so negative so that I would get spurred into realizing that the world is not only physical and that, you know, I am a powerful force of of spiritual presence in the world and that I do have this ability to affect reality and, you know, all the things that eventually came from that. 
But most of the time I sit with that it's probably an evil demonic force. But (laughs) (laughs) either way, it was pretty wild. And definitely there was no there was no going back from it. There was no turning around. I either had to, you know, pretend like I believed that I was insane and maybe take psychotropic drugs or numb myself out of experiencing anything at all. Or I had to start to understand, like, what else could it be and what is going on in this world? And, you know, what does it all mean? What are we doing here? Did you grow up churchy? (laughs) Kind of, yeah. I actually, it took me a while to remember why my memories, it's always just me and my mom at church and my brother's not there, my sister's not there, my dad's not there. And I'm like, am I misremembering? Or was it really just us? And it was really just us. And my mom was raised very religiously. And my father was not at all. He hated all things religion. And he hated the government. And he's kind of the reason why I questioned everything. And so he he understood the... Absolutely. (laughs) Yes. And so he understood the trap that religion, you know, really is. Um, But I had this desire to be connected with the spiritual. And I had this desire to be connected to other people who were connected to the spiritual. And so I would request to go to church you know, all the time. And my mom, of course, was happy about that because I was the only person in the whole family who was down with it. Um, And I didn't have any, I didn't care like what people thought God was or what people thought Jesus was. I just like liked that experience and that feeling and that idea that we are all something more, you know, and um, I was a kid, so I didn't really have like a lot of analysis about it. It was just something I did. So I did, I do have that background, but it was also a Lutheran church. And so it's very, you know, they tend to be a lot more open-minded and a lot less, they don't really care what you think or how you really believe, you know, you just, you come to church, you're a good person and you generally believe in God and Jesus, I think is like the basic requirements of being Lutheran. So it was pretty easy to be a Lutheran in in a Lutheran church. If I would have had a Catholic mother or something else, like maybe I wouldn't have been as excited to go to church. I'm not sure. Sounds a little scarier now that I know more about Catholicism. Like uh, the ritual of it all or just the Pope of it all? Both. <laughs> Both, yeah. And just like the services are in like Latin, so you don't even know what's going on. And like, it just feels, every time I'm in a Catholic church, I love the church. I love the building and the structure, but I always feel this like oppression, you know? And the Catholic people I've known have been like, terrified of their sexuality and their body and like so i'm just like i just feel like i have some more negative feelings about catholicism than many other organized religions no offense to any catholics out there because i honestly am ignorant it's all just impression do you um do you think it's weird or do you find it that people that are religious um all think all magic is evil yeah anytime it's brought up or any kind of idea of any woo woo, maybe even from yoga to crystals to a spell, it's all demonic. Yes. And they've been taught that, you know, for so long that I think so many of them can't even really question it. Um, and it's interesting because they all, all of those things in a way they can lead to demonic experiences. And that's what happened to me with tarot cards. And that's that that first experience I had that really like woke me up to like, well, there's way more going on here than I ever thought. Um, Or that I kind of always knew, but you know what I mean? Like that, that was my awakening moment. I think um, people who aren't careful and do a lot of these things can obviously get into really dark places. They can get dark attachments and entities and they can, you know, experience the darker side of themselves or however you want to look at those things. And that can be a really negative experience. And so in a way, it makes sense, right, to warn people. Be like, okay, well, don't just like go Ouija boarding and or whatever. Like, 
you know, if you're not sure what's going on or how to do it right or how to protect yourself or how to be strong in your own soul, then just like leave that stuff alone. But that's not what they're told. They're told that it's just is satanic. It is evil. And that's the shortcut, right? Like if you want a kid not to touch the electrical socket, you're like, that will burn you. Like, don't touch it. It's ouch. It's hot. Yeah, it's evil. Um, You don't explain that. Like you actually have to get in there and like, you might have to have some metal in there connecting it. And that's when it's ouch and burn. You don't go that detail, right? Because they're young. They won't really understand. You just say like, ouch, no burn. So it's kind of like, I kind of get the impetus behind it, you know, and the motivation and that it comes hopefully at least from a place of care and love for most people. You know, the the first person who ever was like, let's make a church and let's tell people that this is all really dangerous. That person maybe didn't have a lot of care and love in their motivation, you know? Yeah. And so it's, but I think there's both. So I try not to be too judgmental about it or too attached to it. I'm like, yeah, it, it's, it's too bad because there are a lot of people who have spiritual experiences and who, you know, want to try things like tarot or, you know, get deeper in touch or like find their spiritual skills and connection. And, you know, they know that there's something more than just going to church and letting a priest be like the medium between God and you. And they know that they could have a direct experience of it. And then when they do, often there's like no one there, like we were saying earlier, who can help them understand what happened or help them do it right. Or so it's just a lot. It's a lot of garbage that we all have to sift through and and kind know, of unlearn. Thinking, like the same, like there might be a lot of ritual done in churches that actually would be beautiful if we all took part. Like I was, maybe confession is something that's a really beautiful thing if you confess yeah. to the person that you wronged. <laughs> yeah. Like, or even like I do forgiveness practice. It's kind of a confession, right? Like I call forth the soul the consciousness and of the person who I feel like I've harmed. And then I'm like, I'm sorry, I did this. Like, please forgive me. And I mean, I want to do it in real life first, (laughs) but if they're like dead or if they're at another place or it's just, we don't have communication channels open. Like this is a powerful thing. It's kind of the same thing, right? It's a little bit of a ritual and a little bit of a magical spiritual thing. And clearing the room with sage and maybe putting blessing over like a wine and then like a bread, some kind of big blessing. And then we all share it. Like yeah. be really powerful things to take part in. Um, probably even the buildings, like you were saying, they have all the best buildings and the stained glass that comes in. Um, and like, maybe those are even, you know, channeling certain there. You, we see like the structure of them is that very specific, often like arches and very specific steeple shapes with like a certain number of levels in it. And I was just going over this on my, one of my recent shows on Rockfin, which is um, the middle path. And uh, this last week I did ancient temples. And that's one of the things that comes up is how they they look like they're there to accumulate some kind of energy or channel some kind of energy. Um, and that is that not like you're saying, is that not ritual or is that not magic? Is that not, you know, these things that we're taught to ignore and think of as evil and dark and dangerous and. I know, you know. even is all science just trying to understand what was once magic. Yeah. Like I think about like way back when and what I'm sure was the golden age that came before this and how everyone probably had these understandings down where they're like, well, yeah, you can do negative things with this and you can, you know, fuck with the wrong thing and get <laughs> some darkness or going on. But you can also do this amazing transformative stuff. You can levitate stones with your voice or, you know, you can do this and that and here's how it works. And, you know, we're just like, dumb. Uh, like, yeah. like, we don't even know how we feel emotionally, let alone that the yeah. queen gave us that we're allowed to say. 
Yes. Do you um, think you could, you said tarot, you think that's a way you maybe opened up. Um, I've been playing over this idea a little in my head this week of once you notice that the power is there, even if you, it's just in the smallest scale, it notices you notice and it puts you in a little bit of danger and it's easy to protect yourself from it. It's just intention and saying like, you're not welcome here. I'm more powerful than you or whatever these or pray or call on your highest self or call on God or whatever your method is of clearing that. Um, yeah. But it notices when you notice. And I think yes. <laughs> when you play, I, I think things like Ouija boards become portals and things maybe like tarot, things like runes that everybody can laugh at and think they're woo woo. And maybe that's what they wanted you to do. Like always just laugh at it and think it was, but who knows what kids are when you're, especially when you're a kid. Um, it seems like you might even be more powerful to open up something in your house. You told me once, I think, and I quoted you a few times in the last few days, um, that unintentional magic might be the most powerful magic. Yeah. Well, un did I say unintentional or un um uh you like, might have uh, I'm trying to think of the the word that I might have used cuz I think I know what I meant when I said that. <laughs> and it's the times in my life where I have accidentally done like pretty powerful magic that I w I was not. I guess it is unintentional like cuz I didn't set out to do like a ritual or a thing but I definitely in the moment itself was like, okay, like here let's try to <laughs> make this happen. Um you know, and, and pull in these random like steps or like pieces of whatever that I think might be important. Do you know what I mean? Um, so there's like pieces of it that are sort of traditional and like that I've learned from more traditional methods that, but I'm just like throwing them together randomly in a moment of not panic, actually like deep presence and deep awareness of that spiritual connection. And yeah, it's a lot different than if you're like, okay, the most, the moon's going to be is it like azimuth on like Tuesday at 1203. And if I have this colored stone in this direction and I say this word, like very, very different from that. So yeah, I guess unintentional is a good way to describe it. Yeah, past you didn't me. say that word. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, okay, I do agree with past me. Yes. <laughs> I was about to argue with her, but I agree now that I broke Sometimes it we agree. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um, I, and it is. And I think it's part of that is that you're opening up that space for something way beyond what you can consciously accept about yourself or something you might call God like to come through in that moment because you're so like, all right, just like full. I'm full in. <laughs> like, Let's do this. Who's God to you right now or what is God to you right now? What would be your explanation it's of that? I was doing a session earlier today with someone. Uh, um, I do what I call a guidance session, and it involves some ceremony and some, you know, interaction with their allies and messages come through and some healings happen sometimes. And, you know, we and then we have like an hour where we get to talk through what happened and any like sort of practices I think might be good for them or that I was hearing or was told or saw would be good for them, you know, and we go through all that. And we were talking about the same thing, you know, she was like, well, what's what, like, I don't know if I believe in God or like, what's God, you know, and I'm like, we don't even have to really quantify it. But I think we all know that there's something beyond all of us, and that it connects all of us. And like, maybe you can think of it as pure consciousness. Maybe you could think of it as like the source of all things. Maybe you could think of it as like the that like, infinite energy that's in like every atom and every moment and everything and can never be destroyed, you know, 
you could describe it as so many ways. But then I was also saying like in my head, when I say God, like I see the old white bearded man in the clouds, which I know is not what's happening, (laughs) but that's just like, it's so Western. It's so Lutheran that it's just like in my head, that's what God is. But you know, that's still the picture, <laughs> even though you're the words are you can explain it, but the picture is still Santa. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> but and I had a friend who to her God actually was physically that there's a physical being in the universe that is the old man with the beard and he lives somewhere in the like cosmos. And that's God. And that like blew my mind. I was like, oh, whoa, wait, what you think this is like a real physical being? It just looks exactly like a human you know, of course, a human would be God. <laughs> it can't be a tree or like the ocean. <laughs> you were made in his image. Like, that's true. That's, it's all the, do you think that uh, source could come down in flesh that would have membranes of being source and tell people about it? Because isn't that kind of what we're doing? I was going to say, I think that's what we're doing, (laughs) (laughs) trying to remember that, right? Like, I think we live in this state of pretty deep amnesia, but some part of us knows or else nothing would ever make any sense, I think. Um, So I I think that's exactly like the goal is to remember, I'm literally made of God. That's all there is. (laughs) And that's all I'm doing here, you know, and um and there's all kinds of billions of questions that like spur off of that, that then you can get into, but that's like the basic truth as far as I know it. I know that's kind of, I, I can't figure out um, if I've lived a whole bunch of, pa- I don't know how much of history I believe. So I don't know yeah. if I've lived a whole bunch of past lifetimes or if I've just done this loop over and over again. <laughs> like if I've just been Cheney 33 times or yes. if I've gotten to be all these different avatars throughout uh, but then sometimes I stare at my cat and I think he has a snake face. I wonder if he was a snake and then he becomes a cat and then he becomes a bear and then he becomes a human. I don't know. And then we become what's after human. I don't know. We're about to find out. I really, yeah. it's like every day I feel like my idea of what the whole thing is changes. Um, totally know. with you. I like, I like the Gnostic uh, or one of the many Gnostic ideas that I've heard, which is, you know, kind of that same concept of God. God is just like the eternal and the everything, which is also in a way that the nothing, the emptiness, right? And that zero point. Um, And then you come out of that as this consciousness and you're like literally a mineral at first, (laughs) like a rock somewhere, right? And then you're like, once you sort of like, get self-awareness and understanding of that, then you like maybe move on to like amoeba or whatever. And you do like come up and eventually after like a lot of effort, you're a cat. And then if you're like, cool with that and then you move on and like you said you're like maybe a barrier a human and what's after that and i was when i was first hearing this at this like gnostic lecture series that i really like i was like it's gonna be angel it's gonna be angel decks like it has to be angel <laughs> um and they're like no angels are a totally different category of being it has nothing to do with this like consciousness timeline or whatever that you're on it's it's actually you become human like this is just um I don't even know how they, they don't really like fully explain it, but my best way to describe it is like, this is almost like just like being like an ape or a monkey and like a slightly more aware one, maybe, or a slightly more like capable one, but like to be a real true human is like Jesus or like these stories we have of these ascended masters. Yeah. Type. I, the science nerd in me, like even miracles that Jesus performed seem very easy to do with um, energy and vibration, whether it's splitting water 
or or not Jesus. That would be Moses. Um, yes, I would, then I got Moses and Noah confused for a second in my head. But yeah, like, me too. Um, like, wait. <laughs> water to wine is like a really alchemy thing. It seems very philosopher sure. stone. Uh, I don't know. I, the weirdest thing about the Christ journey that I keep playing in my head, um, if I were an omnipotent being, always was, I was a divinity, I was God. And I was going to come down in human form one time to see what these fools were up to. Um, it And I want to know your thought of it. And I know this seems like a really fucking crazy idea. But if I were this thing, the only way I could go out of this planet would be to feel every second of my death, every excruciating, every nerve bending, every burning, every blood drop. I'm divinity. I'm a feeling humanity for my first time. So I feel like the death would have to be the crucifixion. There's Mm. not many that could be more, you know, torturous. Present and yeah. Yeah, but there's something kind of like in the God journey beautiful about it to me. And that's a really weird thing to say. <laughs> <laughs> it totally makes sense to me too. Cause I, I actually, this is one of the, the two conversations I've been lucky enough in my life to have with Graham Hancock, who I would love to have on rogueways or middle path <laughs> um, anytime, but you know, I don't know I if that's ever going to happen. You just sit down and talk to Graham. Like that, I you, love him so much. You have such a perfect <laughs> woo-woo with brilliant, smart brain. Like smart. Thank you. Like, like the stuff they tell us we have to learn in like book college stuff. But then you have this whole other like brilliant side of your brain. You're really one of the few people that I think work so well in both facets. Like you have your divinity of masculine and feminine really wrapped up nice. And it's um, awesome. (laughs) Thank you. I really appreciate that. That's actually one of my things that I'm like, see myself too. I'm like, I feel like I have that exact balance between this very analytical, you know, data, like what if left or right brain, whatever it's supposed to be. uh, And then the other side as well, like very deeply. And I don't feel like I have to pick between them. And I hope no one ever does, but I know we tend to do that. But yeah, Graham Hancock. So I met him once and I got to at a, you know, one of his book signings or whatever. And he's so cool. He will stay there until the entire line. He doesn't care how late it is, how long it takes. It's like hours. And he'll just sit there and he'll sign books and hug people and take pictures with them. And like, so kind. Like, I just really appreciate that. But then I also emailed him once and he actually wrote me back. And the reason I emailed him is because I heard him on what I think was Joe Rogan at the time. I can't remember, but I said, Hey, I heard you on the show and I know it's random and I know I'm nobody, but I really was concerned because what he was saying was we're so lucky in our modern age that we have things like morphine and opiates and whatever, so that when we are dying, we don't have to suffer and we don't have to go through that. We can just take that and then we'll just sail off, you know, into the night or whatever. And, and I was like horrified at this. I was like, Oh my God, I can't believe someone as amazing as Graham Hancock has not thought this through. Um, you know, people should do whatever they want. But at the time I was like worried for his soul, like a, like a Christian is, you know, for someone who's not saved. Cause I was like, in my idea, you have to be present and cognizant and understand. I know your brain's going to dump stuff out. That's already going to make it like weird <laughs> and unreal. And you know, But that's kind of the point, like you're saying, like, I think you do have to feel it. I think you do have to go through it. And I think you have to do it with awareness and um, that that's how you kind of like reincarnate better or go on to whatever you want to do next 
better. And if you're not, if you're all clouded and mucked up, like how I just feel like it's so easy to get lost on like that side, you know, like whatever death is or whatever dreams are, or whatever. I feel like they're already very illusory and like just vast and like full of illusion. And I don't want to be anything but like wide awake for that. So I told him that he's like, that's actually really, you know, interesting. And I never thought of it. And thanks for sharing that with me, which is also a very kind response. Um, <laughs> he's a really nice guy. But that's what that made me think of, you know, that like, this is part of it actually, is that you do have to feel the sort of totality of being all from like the height of ecstasy to like the depths of despair and pain and torture in order to really be a full anything, right? If you're going to be a full, if, if you do go on to being whatever the Gnostics call like a real human, um, I'm sure you have to have done everything human in order to get there. And so that that feels like part of it. And then that just being really aware, like pain definitely can heighten your awareness, but it can also drive you into further sort of delusion and distraction and disconnection too. So you kind of have, that's like its own skill. Yeah. Like kind of meditate into your pain the same way you would your, if you were freezing cold or, uh, you know, a million other things, yeah. exercising too hard, like all the things you're breathing work, um, yeah. it, would, it would maybe force you into that meditative state more than anything. I, I find it when I have migraines that it's almost forcing me to meditate. Like it's yeah. like I haven't spent enough time filing away my thoughts and my feelings and my whatever. And so now I have to lay in a room without the lights on and with my eyes shut and I can't sleep because I'm in so much pain, but I'm just in it. And so, wow. it, I mean, I don't get them regular now, oddly enough, the more I feel like my third eye has opened, the more yeah. that I am authentic and say shit with my heart and not just my logic breaking it down or even um, saying things that might seem uncomfortable because they come from like an intuitive place where I'm like, I don't yeah. know why I'm saying this to this person right now. This seems so invasive or so personal. Um, and that every time I step back or cringe after it comes out of my mouth, I'm usually surprised with, I, or I'm not surprised. It's like the response back is usually warm and like flowing of like, oh, like, I'm so glad somebody said that to me. Or why did you say that? Sometimes it's just like, why did you just say that right now? And I'm like, I don't know. I feel I so know. weird about it. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're guided to. That's what I call guidance, right? And it's your intuition. And sometimes it's a combination of your intuition with like literally something popped into your head and like won't go away until you like say it or whatever. And um, I think we, when, the more we trust those things, like you're saying, and follow them and see what happens, you know, and don't be afraid of it, the more we do have pretty miraculous things happen that I don't think a lot of people even really believe is possible. Um, but that thing you said about, you know, your third eye opening and your migraines going away, I've been learning this for a while now, too, that a lot of our chakras and energy centers, when they're opening, they do cause physical discomfort. And so maybe like, who knows, maybe everybody who has migraines is their third eye is like trying to open and they're like stopping it or resisting it or like, you know, it's not comfortable. It's not fun to be able to, it, it can be very fun, but it can also be very uncomfortable. <laughs> I was thinking like, um, this is one of my mi migraine thoughts by Cheney. Um, one of my migraine <laughs> thoughts was like, I'm a person that I would have considered my superpower in my logic and in my throat. So sometimes, yeah. um, when I, I would get like a sore throat or, you know, a scratchy throat or whatever, but definitely migraines all the time. Uh, 
one day I was just talking um, maybe a few months back, sometime maybe in January, and I was in mid-sentence with my friend and my voice just was like, I didn't have a sore throat. I didn't have anything. My throat was just like, you're not talking anymore. Close. Yeah, and I can't remember what I had to do the next day, but I felt like it was a big deal that I needed my voice for where I'm like, this can't be happening to me. Like, this isn't happening. And um, it. I was thinking about it then that maybe wherever your superpower is, like I know people that are so divinely empathetic, they can feel everyone in a room or they have their gut instinct is so on point, they know exactly what's going to happen or their root chakra, they can allure everyone with it. Like what if you get your ailments in your superpower? Ooh, well, I do actually think that that's true. And I think a lot of it is because you, your soul sort of set it up this way, right? Where you... For example, I have um, I have had spontaneous past life recollection and memories, and they're horrible, and they're, I don't suggest them to anyone. <laughs> it's been some of the worst moments of my life every single time. But <laughs> How many times have you lived? <laughs> I just had another one last um, week, and so I think I'm currently at six life recollection. I should probably like journal it and write them all down so I don't forget because each one comes with, um, you know, this horrifying, very realistic first person immersive um, memory for lack of a better word. But it's like, it's like a very vivid dream that you're living as though it's a memory and you know that it's you and you know that you're experiencing and that it's real. And um, sometimes it's happened in waking life and sometimes it's come through dreams. Uh, This last one came through a dream, but they are always once I have them and I cry and have a horrible day because it's so odd, it's always like the worst trauma that I've ever experienced is in these past Does lives. Does it give you like an ego death in your real life? Yeah, actually, I think that it does. <laughs> I think you let go of a little bit more of your, what you thought, you know, you were or what your attachment to your, you know, we all have these constructs of like, I'm this and I'm like that. And like, I'm like, so random, you know, like, like, you just have these things that you think are true about yourself. And I think the truth is that you're kind of infinite, but, um, but it's not bad. It's not bad to have identity and like, you know, be attached to some things. Um, but yeah, I do think that that's at least a piece of it. But they all also correlate with physical issues in this life that I'm having right now, clearly I'm still clearing whatever the trauma was and whatever the energetic signature of that was, right? And that's why I'm recalling it at all. And that's why I have this physical issue that correlates perfectly every time I'm like, oh, that and an energetic one and an emotional one. And so I think they come up when they're like really ready to finally be healed and released. And every time when they're healed and released, I then like have this uncanny ability to like help other people get through that, whether it's the emotional or the, you know, psychological or the mental or the physical aspects of it. Um, you know, and I also genuinely feel that I carry that signature then and that anyone who does this does of like, if you can think of like the sympathetic vibration that it creates, you know, that I'm like putting that out there in the world. And so someone else who's like, oh, I also experienced that kind of trauma, I can heal a little bit easier now. Or like, I also had that physical ailment and it, you know, and now I can heal that a little bit easier. And so it's like the hundredth monkey idea. Like, I feel like it's literally your superpower. And I feel like for some people, it becomes this thing that they can literally then like reach out and like touch someone and like heal that for them or clear that for them or, you know, open it up for them. Um, so I think our, you know, that idea of the wounded healer, like, I think we do this to ourselves so that we can remember, A, that um, wounding sucks and we should stop doing it to each other. <laughs> and yeah. B, you have to heal 
It never goes away. Even if you die, it's still there if you didn't heal it and it's going to come for you eventually. <laughs> so you may as well try to heal everything you can as you're experiencing it or or better. Um, don't experience it in the first place. <laughs> and then, <laughs> right? <laughs> and then um, that you can actually do these amazing things like heal people spontaneously or, you know, hold a higher vibration or bring yourself to a new level or any of those things. The memories that you had, they weren't just of death. They were of like just visceral memories of like a person in a past life. It wasn't like, oh, I had a I had a past memory and snakes were pulling me underwater. It was like, no, a personal story of that you as that person. And it's different. It is true. And it's di- well, I've had both. I've had mm-hmm. two that I can think of right now that I was experiencing the death in that life because the death was violently traumatic. And then I've had two where I've just experienced something seems to be in the middle of the life um, that was violently traumatic. Um, and I, uh, you know, the the a difference between because I've also had dreams where I'm just like someone doing something. It's Have not you been that a meaningful. lady and a man. I have only had late memories of being a lady, huh? Okay, which is probably not normal, <laughs> but that's I don't. What's think I've but ever I, been a mother? Weird. Yeah, and yeah, past lives. Go on. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, and there has to be a reason why, you know, and there and and there's no judgment, honestly. Um, you know, I I don't think and I don't think our soul judges us. I don't think God, whatever God is, judges us. I don't think our spiritual allies judge us. Like, I think we judge ourselves (laughs) in our limited, you know, consciousness where we're at right now, but in our, our highest self would like, there's no judgment in any of it, which is very refreshing because some of the shit that I've done in past lives is like horrifying. I'm like, me, I did that. Oh my God. Oh yeah. (laughs) No wonder I'm experiencing that. Like all the stuff that you want to fix about yourself, but you don't think about the ways you harmed others in your past life. Like really, really horrendous. Like the type of people who I would want to murder in this life because of how horrific their actions are like that's what i've done so it it kind of also gives you this perspective where you're like i really can't judge people like i can i do (laughs) especially pedophiles like i judge them and i want to kill them but i also i um i have to be pretty sure i've done that you know this past memory that I just had, but I'm still dealing with and reeling from is seems to indicate that. And it's, I'm not accepting it very well. So the healing of it isn't going so great, but it's going to happen, you know? Um, but yeah, I've had, I've experienced my own death, which is very, very strange. And I've experienced the middle of the life. But uh, what I wanted to say too, is that I've experienced each of those memories when I'm in it, I have a whole life's worth of, of experience and like, personality and Holy memories shit. in that life you it's know what i mean just like you're like quantum leaping from Lindsay to a different person right. when you're there you're like oh my god like you have a family and a mom and a life and a job like a whole... and a personality that's different from this one and like motivations that are different from now that i've never experienced here so that's part of why i'm like this isn't just a dream it's not just a weird meditation thing it's not um, you know, yeah, like you said, like I'm quantum leaping just to experience like another point of view. It's like, as far as I can tell, that is absolutely like who I was and what I did and what I experienced. And it always makes sense. Like I said, it's like, 
you know, in, in one, um, you know, my, my back was really attacked and, uh, for very good reason. I was an awful whore. Uh, (laughs) and I have, this is the center of like all of my back pain in this life. And I have really, really bad back problems. Um, and they center on this point and I've always known it. I've always been like, I don't know why right there, but like, that's where it's all coming from all the time. I've had massage therapists, like find it and be like, it's so weird. There's nothing like wrong with this area, but it's just like, full of anger or whatever. And, um, and then that past life, that's exactly where I had the, the, the largest physical damage done to me. So, you know, that can't be an accident. Um, and I could go on, but every single one of them has like a physical ailment and a spiritual and an emotional ailment in this life that just correlates like too perfectly to what I experienced. Like what a, yeah. (laughs) Do you think every, can you tell if people have had past lives or if you're when you meet someone or if you're like, oh, this is an old soul or I don't are you not? One I don't that? necessarily. So I, I can see auras when I see people. So I can tell in this life, in this moment, what's going on with them like pretty well. But I have to go into ceremony for people to even have a hope of knowing if they've had past lives or not. I just kind of assume now that I know that I have that everyone has and that we've all done this I like know, a bunch what an average amount of lives people have had. Like I've had a friend that they uh, were told they had 60 something past lives. Wow. And I'm like, that is unbelievable. That's <laughs> but that's the same thing I thought about auras. Like somebody told me they had a 6,000 foot aura and I was like, I'm going to fall out of my chair. That seems too much to handle. And then my <laughs> yeah. next friend was like, they went to like the same spiritual person and they got told they had like a 20,000 foot or a 60,000 foot aura. And I'm like, no wonder you're like taking on all this energy around you all the time. Yeah. Like, I don't know. You're literally connecting to it. I'm like, you need to wire that in like a spool. <laughs> well, and I don't know what people mean when they use various words. Cause I like know. I, cause what do you mean by aura then? Cause when I see auras, they're, they're just the right colors. around you. Yeah. It's just the color that's like right around your, mostly your oh, head and your it heart. Wasn't aura, and... It was Taurus field. That's the word. But you would think that it'd be field. like similar, right? Yeah. I don't know but, any of this, <laughs> but I wonder if what they kind of mean is the like distance that correlates to physical reality that your like solar consciousness can travel in a moment or something, you know, like kind of like astral projection, but I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what they mean. I don't know either. <laughs> I don't know. I'm like, but, but people just use different words and have different meanings for it. So I don't know. <laughs> After you have like a, such a scary experience with like tarot cards, how do you get back into tarot cards? <laughs> I love it. No one ever asks me that. I'm always like, I think it's weird. Oh, <laughs> uh, so thank you. <laughs> I um I basically, and this is all of my life too. And I think this goes back to like that I think we all have superpowers and I think we came here to sort of unleash them and find out what they are and develop them. And it's terrifying. It's terrifying to have any so level of responsibility. Quick, the, the tarot yeah. cards. Do you think anyone could tap into this dream stuff where they experience oh? It's not a superpower of yours. This is stuff maybe humans can do. And they've. I think anyone can, but I think it's like anything else. Like I'll say anyone can do calculus. Anyone can like, you know, run 27 miles. Be great at it. Some people are going to be driven to do it. They're going to have practiced it in various ways. They're going to love it. You know, they're going to be really good at it because their body proportions are right. So I think we do have an extent of like natural ability and whatever. And as far as I can remember in my life, I think I've always been 
sort of like channeling information and energy and noticing energies and subtle energies and like seeing auras and doing all this stuff. I just didn't know it. And, and I didn't accept it because it's, it's terrifying to have any sort of responsibility for other people's lives. And you do when you like, see, (laughs) if I see someone who has like a really dark black aura, I'm like, you guys like, don't go, don't hang out with that person. Like they're really bad. (laughs) Something really dark is happening. And you know, the one of the times this happened to me in my life, that person then murdered my friend's mother, sister, oh my gosh. shot my friend, shot his girlfriend, and ha- done all this right after he had been molesting their niece. So, and I'm seeing a black aura, like, there's like a reason it's black. Validated. Right. <laughs> so black I'm like... Black auras are probably the rarest, huh? I hope. Very, very rare. I'm hoping they're the rarest when I said that. <laughs> no, they're exceptionally rare. It's a great question. They're exceptionally rare. I've seen... Maybe three in my whole life. I saw one just yesterday, which was so disturbing. I was, we was driving by and I was like, oh my God. Like, it's like. You control <laughs> your car. You're like, yeah, oh my yeah. God. <laughs> okay, sorry. Um, back to tarot. <laughs> so, so, yeah. So, I, so that gives you some level of responsibility. And, and tarot does too, right? If someone comes to you and they want a tarot reading and you're going to give it to them and you know that this is really real. Well, now you're responsible for making sure that you're communicating effectively the, the things that are coming through and that you're helping that person understand it and that you're maybe even going to try to like stay in contact with them to help them get through whatever it is. And it's just a lot, right? So I think for a while I was just like, A, it can bring negative attachments and I don't want anything to do with that ever again. <laughs> and B, I don't know that I want to... Um, I had some readings before I realized that the entity that was guiding my readings so accurately was this demonic negative force that really um, put me in almost dangerous situations and changed people's lives and was like in profound ways that are, I was not ready for at all. So to get back into it, I had to get over all of that. Like I had to go through a lot of spiritual experiences and cleansing and learning and practicing, protecting myself and all of that. And before I got to a place where I knew for sure that I could be protected no matter what I was doing, that I could do what people might call magic or ceremony or any of these things and not even worry about that negative side of things at all. Like that takes a long time to trust that, I think. And then also the point where I'm like, well, you know, do I want to, like I said, do I want to have that responsibility? Do I want to have these same possible things come up where there might be life and death and, you know, marriage breakups and all kinds of things come up in tarot readings and, and that, and so you know, when I was, when I did get back to that point where I felt very, very safe and I knew that I could um, accept that responsibility, then I decided that I could start offering them again. So it took a while, a long while, I don't know, probably like 15 years or so. Wow. Okay. Of like pause. No, maybe not 15. Was it a calling when you were like, how do you are like, do you buy a deck? Does somebody give you one? How does that happen? I got the exact same deck that I had got that I had had when I was young and using it with that negative entity. Because <laughs> <That's laughs> I love the deck. That's how you <laughs> yeah. It. You can't be scared That's right. of it. No. So, and I just knew it so well from that period of time and from it's just such a beautiful deck. It incorporates everything that I love, it incorporates all the things that I believe in. And no, there's so many decks, and so many of them kind of just have one thing they do. There's like angel decks. So there's like Native American animal decks. And there's, you know, that's the only thing that deck does, which is awesome. But this deck does everything. It has like the, you know, the Jewish uh, alphabet in it. It has runes in it. It has astrological symbols in it. It has 
Um, all of the colors mean something. It has all of the directions. It has all of the elements. It has the I Ching in it. Um, it has all of the major world traditions are represented in wow. each suit. Like, it's just a beautifully done, really holistic, amazing deck. So I kind of need something like that because I'm not... What deck is it? I don't... For it's called the Handle deck. I hope a lot of people who um, do tarot listen to yeah. this in general. So I want to ask. So everyone's like, why didn't you ask her what deck it was? <laughs> and I'll tell you why there's a good reason to choose a lot of other decks. And that's if you're someone who's a lot more kind of like, um, kind of like on that linear logical side of thinking, which is not bad or good. I have no judgment about it at all. But if you are more on that side, I think there's a lot of decks that do have that more singular approach. Um, thematic approach are a lot easier because you're if you're the type of person who's like this card means this and that's the totality of what yeah. this card means then which is most people i think a lot of people are like that and um and i'm just not my i'm like i flip the card over and there's like whatever i notice in the card that time like that's the meaning that is coming out of that card and it can be really wildly different depending on the placement and the person and the question they ask and the cards around it. And so I need like all of those layers of meaning in there in order to pick out like what's pertinent right and now. And you're somebody so different with like symbols. Um, you actually, I don't, it, it, all the words are, you know, it's like you can't say even good and evil anymore. God, devil, no, uh, you know, all the words. Yeah. <laughs> you're conspiracy minded. And I know people hate the word conspiracy now, but that's it's not because you're conspiracy like oh i want to plan uh like lie against america but you see the world in an alternative way of thinking that they're not telling us the truth um so you do see all the symbols all the religions all the gods all the other things elements and directional that might be on it um your mind is interesting for that different than maybe uh a lot of other people that might just uh do tarot and read you know, one yeah. type of tarot. You do have that mind that does both sides of it. That's maybe you weren't exactly. strong enough to have that deck before. It seems like a really powerful deck. That's exactly why. Like I even got chills when you said that because I, I, I go back to that all the time. I'm like, was all of that my training? You know, was that my initiation? And like coming through it and and choosing to go back to it with much more preparation and much more intention and much more clarity about the. Um, gravity of it and the profundity of it. <laughs> you know, I wouldn't have had that if I didn't go through that experience. And therefore, the readings I do for people are like, pretty powerful. <laughs> you know, even when they're simple, they can be very simple and not like, oh, you're gonna die and you have 10 past lives and your dog is Satan or like, there doesn't have to be this like dramatic thing for it to be really touching and profoundly moving and, you know, help you like shift in maybe even subtle ways. Uh, to reorient towards your life in the in the ways that are going to best serve you. So, um, like I said, that's like a lot of it's a lot of power, it's a lot of energy, and it's a lot of responsibility. And I don't claim that I I have that. I just have learned how to work with energies in a an appropriate way that that can come through. Yeah, I had a friend say today that it's really important um, to not it. None of you can't claim that it came from you. Like, that's the most important part. Like, the second that you start claiming that part is when something else starts to mix in there. Um, yes. I don't know if that's how, if that relates I, to you. I think it's important for whatever you're doing. Um, and that's what I was going to say is I think, I think if I have one superpower, it's that I have a very genuine um, 
desire to serve other people and help them in whatever way I can. And so having that commitment sort of in that intention, along with the understanding that this energy, these messages, this whatever's happening, like it is not coming from me, it's coming through me. I think the combo of those things is why I can do any of this stuff, you know? (laughs) But I think there's people who can be really powerful because they're really egocentric too. So I'm not saying that doesn't work. I'm saying that, in my experience, it leads to really negative experiences. That's what I was going (laughs) to ask. Do you think it's a, is your ego like a tool as well? Like you have to protect part of it and kill most of it. It's like, yes. Yeah. It's a really fine line. Really fine line. Cause I do have to then, that was the other thing that I had to learn is I have to tell people like, yes, I am pretty skilled and I can help you with this in this way. And that in itself feels egotistical to me. I'm like, what? I'm like telling people I'm magic now. Like I'm not magic, not special. But at the same time, if I don't tell people, (laughs) I have this thing that is kind of different from what a lot of people can do or or will do or whatever, then no one's ever going to get served by it. So like, it's kind of that same line, right? Like how I have to have a little bit of ego. I have to a little bit of um. like appreciation for myself and what I did to get to this point too. Uh, But I also have to balance it with that. You know, it's not me. And it's not this like, I don't even know where I was going to go with that. I just, I think that it's just good to acknowledge. It's not like you're doing it because you can't let your ego grow or be bad too or whatever, which I think some people misunderstand. I think it's that you um, have to remember the truth. And the truth is it's not coming from you. It's coming through you. You have this powerful portal of your heart, you know, where anything can come through good and bad, and you get to choose how to use that. Um, so there is a piece of you there doing that. And then, but like that's what that's coming through. That's coming from source. It's just really, it's not coming from you. <laughs> I don't know how else to say it. Like um, in your, what do you do? What's your title? Like if somebody finds <laughs> Lindsay from Rogueways, what do you call yourself? I what would be services don't. you offer. Yeah, I don't have a title because I don't, I have all of these traditions that I learned from, was healed by, had teachers from, um, and, and they're not, uh, they haven't given me any titles, right? And there's, I've like, have Vedic and Hindu teachers, I have Gnostic teachers, I have many shamanic Native American teachers, so a lot of what I do is like pretty heavily steeped in that. And if you think of the title shaman and what it's supposed to be, like, I do that. I'm doing all those things, but I don't, I've never been given that title by anyone. So I don't call myself that because I feel like it'd be really weird <laughs> to be like, I'll just give myself this title. No tradition passed it down. Like no teacher, uh, you know, like outright gave me this role or this position or like told me I should go do this. So like stolen spiritual valor. You're like, yes, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it until someone it's like a black belt you're going to wait for. Yes. Well, and I don't know if I'll ever get it because I'm just like, well, I have the I have the skill and I've been told told, you know, I've understood from my own spiritual path and my own sort of message divine messages that this is what I'm supposed to do and that it's helping people and that it's good and true and beautiful. So like I'm good with that, but it makes it hard because people want to know, like, well, what are you? I'm like, I don't know, I'm a spiritual guide. How about that? That's probably <laughs> part of our conditioning is titles, 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 titles. That's why we follow kings and queens and presidents and prime ministers. And so titles are so important to us instead of just feelings of like, this is what this person does and actions. This is what that person does. You know, it's like um, 
titles. What would you call yourself? I don't want to call you the wrong thing. And then they're even doing it with our sexual pronouns. Like let's, you know, slice up everything. Yeah. How we all have to have so many titles. When you look at your name tag, it looks like a, you know, nurse at the hospital where it's like D-O-N-R-N, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. It's like all these letters that you're like, I don't know what it means. Somebody must know what it means. What's your new name? <laughs> you probably yeah. have like a whole bunch of um, people that see you regularly and then people that find you from the show and other networks yeah. like that. Um, if people just find like, just off whim, they just come across to you. And what's the number one question you get asked? Or if somebody wants, it seems like it'd be romantic. I don't want to guess. But... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's very, um, very likely the number one thing that someone's going to say when they comment. So they'll find my site or they'll find my show and then, or they'll hear a show like this and they'll be like, oh, she sounds like she might be able to help me with this random weird ass thing that's going on with me. Um, which is true. And so their question is almost always like, here, here's a little bit of background of what's going on. Can you help me? Can you help me? Can you help me? Can you help me? And my answer is always, um, I can definitely go into ceremony for you and do a session with you and see what happens. And, or we can do a reading. They're both very powerful. They both have messages come through from your spiritual guides, your allies, your highest self, God, whatever you think is, you know, out there with you. Um, that's all going to come through either way. The ceremony and, and guidance session is what I call it, uh, that I do is, is like so different each time that it's, I try to, I try to not define it too much because really I just go into ceremony and I go into that space where, you know, I can experience past lives or have messages come through or whatever. And I just say like, okay, what do you want to do for this person? Like you, all you spiritual guides of theirs that I've like called in, in this safe space I've created. What's the average and, amount of spiritual guides somebody has? Um, today, like three came through. Sometimes only one comes through. Okay. I've had like 10, you oh, know, wow. okay. and sometimes I can tell kind of what they are. Is and sometimes I can't. Of spirit guides <laughs> that you're like the one who's doing the speaking or like, I don't. There is always, so, there is always one that's like more direct. And is yeah. it an energy and, like, feeling or do you get a visual? I usually get the visual. So like I'll see, and and again, I don't know if it's because I come from this sort of Native American tradition more so than the others, or if it's because this is actually how it is on the spiritual side of things, but I almost always see animals um, for people. And awesome. in my conception of that, it's not like there's literally an animal, one animal just like sitting there and like, I'm yours, but it's that energetic sort of signature that it comes through the most similar thing in our world to that things energetic signature is this animal like it represents this and blah 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 do you know what i mean yeah, yeah. so like, it's the spell it's the symbolism fast or strong or this like i motherly or whatever like different maybe adjectives you feel for it for them a little exactly bit. so just like i don't know if the colors i see in auras have anything to do with what someone else who sees auras is seeing because I don't know what the colors mean to them. You know what I mean? Like I have this yeah. idea that auras could look different to everyone, depending on how you view colors in your personal relationship. I could go meet, you know, your guide and I could see it as like, you know, a deer or something. And someone else could see the same energy and see it as like a person with like a cane or so. I don't know, you know, cause, cause I, know I don't know what it means so to them. Um, way back when, and I know I don't want to trigger, it seems like it'd be a triggering thing, but the Long Island medium, Teresa Caputo, um, she said one time, she, if she sees a horse, it doesn't mean a horse. It always means New Jersey. And she doesn't know ah. why. 
because that's just her association so for some reason that is always how i thought every like everybody just saw like to get to new jersey you might have a whole different symbol than Teresa caputo um whereas a horse to you might mean something totally different you know like um yeah that's exactly it i think that's the sort of green language that people talk about or the language of the birds and i think it's this this language that can be you know, we don't have to have the same background or the same language even in real life to communicate on that level because it's all energetic and it's all symbolic. They would have um, to evoke from your lifetime. They would have to show you a symbol to evoke the emotion from your lifetime to gather it. Um, and or else it I wouldn't even totally know what it was. different than my symbol. <laughs> yeah, it totally makes sense. Yeah, the language would not matter, but the it would it would just be, yeah, a bunch of symbology to get you to evoke an emotion. Yes. And the hardest part was learning to trust those things. Cause I, you know, like you said earlier, like you'll have an intuition, like I'm going to say this, you know, but like, I don't really want to, or like, it doesn't really feel, feel great. Like it sounds, um, you know, weird. And I'll have, I'll go into ceremony for people and like weird things will happen. And I'm like, I'm really going to go tell this person right now that like, I don't remember the last one, but like, I don't know. Like, do you have an infestation of termites right now? Cause like I'm seeing termites in your vents and I don't even know what that means. I just am supposed to tell you this is what I saw. <laughs> but every time, every time they're like, holy shit. Like, how'd you know? And like oh this and that. Gosh. I'm like, oh, you're like I, I don't didn't know, want to dude. say that at all. I wanted to give you a fun yeah. spiritual message, not about termites yeah. in your vents. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> But I just have learned that I just do it because there's always a reason that I don't know about that it that needed to be said or they needed to think about it or it connected with some feeling they're having or like stress or, you know, like something else comes out or something else happens because of it. So I just stopped questioning it, which maybe is dangerous, you know, (laughs) like something uh, if I were not intentional enough or clear enough or had like had, you know, set up the space well enough, like maybe something could play a pretty funny trick on me. Be like, yeah, totally. Tell him this. Like, (laughs) Um, but I just don't. Tarot are too, in a weird way. It's like, if you really trust yourself, (laughs) then eventually the tarot cards are just a symbol of what an emotion is supposed to evoke. So you can kind of go through this instead of, always picking up a book or trusting like, oh, I don't know. I don't know my tarot well enough. Maybe the intuition is more important than like the ancient knowledge of what it's supposed to mean. I don't that's know. That's exactly, that's exactly what I think. And that's exactly why I can read tarot because I would never be able to memorize that many things. Other. Like I wouldn't be able to just flip over a card and like know things by what was, you know, indexed in my brain under that card. Like it wouldn't, I'm not, I don't work like that. I have to be like feeling intuition, like connections that are firing in my brain that I'm not even really following (laughs) for something to come together. So I said that romantic is what my guess, because I just imagine and maybe this is all maybe my conditioning and maybe just my reading a whole bunch of books. But I just imagine that it's a, a lot of women wondering if they have twin flames, if there are twin flames out there where they meet their soulmate. Like, um, are twin flames real? I don't know. Soulmate. <laughs> I think we have soulmates, but I think it's like different than people think. Because think about this: like when I was in middle school, my soulmate was Giles Hamilton, <laughs> and he and I was in love with, and he was in love with me, and we were like sure, like this was all that was ever going to happen, and it happened for many years, and then it stopped, and he's not my soulmate anymore, you know. And then after that, there was someone else, and like they were definitely my soulmate, and I was like in love with them, and that was all that was ever going to be true, and whatever. And so I think 
whatever you want to call a soulmate is like the person who at that moment is um, the best suited for whatever spiritual and mental like lessons you need to learn and habits you need to develop or like things that you have to practice, you know, or get better boundaries about or whatever it might be. So I don't know why that can't be a soulmate, but I also then met the person who I'm currently with and it's like far, far, far beyond and different from any of the previous people who I've ever been in love with. Um, and so now I'm like, oh, I get what twin flame is. Like this person literally is like the other part of me. And if I didn't find them, I would have never felt complete. I would have never felt like life really meant anything at all. Even though I did and I had these spiritual experiences and these spiritual skills and whatever, it's like, what was really the point of all of that if I didn't get this experience, you know? And like everything makes sense now from all of my life. And so is that a twin flame then instead of a soulmate or is there just like tears to this or like, you know, was the rest of it sort of practice so that when we did finally find each other, like we were really ready to have that experience and understand what it meant and what it was worth or like, I don't know. I don't know. No, it's like, did you guys travel together through lifetimes? Maybe in it feels like, yes. Or have you been searching for each other for lifetimes and always just missed it just happenstance like they turned the wrong way at the market one day while you were picking up the hay for the governor you know whatever weird times in your lifetime like did you always miss the boat or you know have you traveled together before like maybe as you know like daughter and mother or maybe as you know like brother and sister and now this time it's this um and it's just another one of those relationships or um is it like um, your souls are kind of destined to do this exact walk regardless? It's like I have all these questions yeah. of like, what is the, what the fuck does soulmate compared to twin flame <laughs> compared to, you know, like what, what, what's all the difference of these things? And part of me feels like part of me feels like we either either the one you said where we always just kind of missed each other or we're already like committed to something else before we found each other and then we're like well that sucks like, like can't do this now do song i guess i'll see yes. you next lifetime <laughs> i know exactly kind of like shit and part of me thinks that he was coming the other direction in time and i was coming in this direction and like i was coming from the what we call the past forward and he was coming from what we call the future to here and that we just first finally found each other like you said <laughs> But I will never know until we're worse. dead, I think. Yeah. That's like crazy to think about. I haven't blown my <laughs> mind like that to think about forward. There's a movie um, that is, I mean, it's not a new movie. And I wish I, it's not Inception. It's like a newer, or it is a new, Tenant. It's T N E. I haven't seen it. It's yeah. the same forward and backward, the, the spelling oh. of it. And the movie is set up in a way that uh, one guy's going obviously forward in direction and one guy's coming backward and then they meet, but then they f screw with the time at the rest of the movie. It's tedious. <sighs> it could be better done, but I kind of appreciate the tedious because I paid attention so much at the beginning that I feel like they ran footage backward, even though the mouth would be moving in the right direction. Yeah. I feel like the blinks were backward. I know it sounds so weird, but I think yeah. they paid a attention to that level of 
um, the film that one of the guys was actually kind of working backward and even some of their wording and the way that action sequences, one of them will see it forward and then the other, I don't know. It's weird stuff. And um, to even try to wrap my head around the explanation, but I never even think about like, what if, you know, everyone always talks about coming here from the past, but I, you never really think, no, I'm, I'm, I'm coming from the future. Yeah. Well, he, he like had, I don't remember, I don't want to speak for him, but he's had like other experiences of, of his own that sort of indicated that or something like that. And then we saw this, um, this aura reader at our friend's house um, in California and, and she um, told him, Oh, you're here from the future and you're, <laughs> and, and she told him a bunch of other things and he and many other people are very like, uh, very skeptical, which is good. I'm very skeptical too. Right. But I'm much less skeptical about those things now that I've had all my experiences. But, um, but, you know, I think it's good to not just trust anyone who tells you they can see auras in the future or any of these kinds of things. But I was like, that makes so much sense to me. Like, it makes so much sense to me, like his personality and just like how, how I can't together like two and a half years i think where'd you meet yeah we met in a group on facebook <laughs> it was very weird and i was with someone else and i was a teacher and i had a house and i was for all by all extents and purposes like married and like in this life like, like there was hamster wheel yeah and i loved it i thought i loved it i was like very happy and then i i actually started this group and all these people came to it and this is part of how rogue started too and um I just was like drawn to him. It didn't make any sense. He had no pictures of himself anywhere. I couldn't see what he looked like. And he, <laughs> and he would just like, every time he commented, I'd be like this person, like, what is this person? Like, I just was like fascinated by him, but in it also kind of like, I was fascinated and drawn to him, but I also didn't think anything of it. I wasn't like analyzing it or like, why am I fascinated? with this? It was just true. And it was just like, that's just how it was. Was it his words? Like, what about it? He was consistently aware of everything that everyone had said and done and his things that he would write would be like perfectly, you know, most people don't actually, I just made this a post actually on Facebook, like 97% of people aren't responding to you. They're not listening to you. They're not reacting to you even. They're just imagining some other thing that's going on in their psyche and that projecting it on you and reacting to that. And so you're just like standing there and you're just a mirror for everybody and you don't ever get seen. <laughs> um, and it's a horrible frustration in my life, but he was exactly the opposite of that where he saw everyone and like acknowledged everyone and responded to everyone. Not in this like super like, Oh, I see you and namaste, but just, he just did it. Like you just did the things he said, you could tell that he was paying attention <laughs> and aware and understood what other people needed, you know, at very subtle levels. And, and then he's also hilarious. Like he's just funny. He will make anybody laugh. And then he was an artist too. So one of the first interactions we had, I was like, I was like, Oh, you make art? Like what? And he tagged me on this picture and I saw the picture and I was like, wow, like it was so simple and so beautiful, but instantly like profound and transmitted all of this emotion. And a lot of his art is art that I would not normally be into at all. Like it's kind of creepy for my taste. Like he's very surrealistic and like bodies are kind of like various shapes and there's like hands coming through eyeballs and like stuff that <laughs> kind of like would make me uncomfortable otherwise. But somehow he does it in this way that's not, he's not channeling something dark and he's not expressing something dark. Like he's expressing real uh, lived experiences and he's doing it very uh, eloquently and and like subtly and so I was like damn your art is really awesome and 
Uh, and then we just had synchronicity after synchronicity after synchronicity after synchronicity what after synchronicity. Like weird it, synchronicities. I love synchronicity talk. Like really, like every time we went into Messenger, we would both show up at the exact same time and send a message. And often it was the exact same message, like exact same message. Like we would just like show up after not talking for like six hours or something or 12 hours or two days or whatever. And we both pop into Messenger at the exact same time and send the same GIF. It didn't even make sense. It wasn't like a GIF we had agreed <laughs> that we both liked or ever talked about or ever even used before. We would just do that. And like, so I was just like, well, this is like bizarre. Like why I'm like very, you know, into this person. I've never seen his face. We always are messaging each other the same things at the same time. Every time we talk, it's like way more profound than it should ever be with a stranger. You know, like we just instantly just like connect. We just get each other and whatever. And then finally, um, you know, before this started happening, I had a totally different, random, profound spiritual experience, which led me to understand that I should break up with my boyfriend, who I really, really loved and had a fantastic relationship with and could have continued to have just like a beautiful life with. But I just realized it was not what I was supposed to do. Um, And so I'd broken up with him. And then this happened like pretty soon after that. So I also had this weird like guilt about it. Like I shouldn't be like flirting with some, like am What's i flirting like to walk away from somebody you love but it's not like <laughs> the path that you, like what's it like to battle your what heart but your it's your gut and logic going versus your heart i don't know what is yeah or, or i don't know what, what is it's it? your it's your spiritual it's it's the knowing that you have that intuition like times like a thousand or like you just know like there is no getting around it like I love you but the, this is not the life either of us are supposed to have we got from each other what we needed and we did that and it was good and beautiful and now that has gone and we're like supposed to leave and it was really heartbreaking like it was hard I cried a lot for months <laughs> which you know, and he said it at the time and other people said it at the time, like, well, why are you doing it then? And it's like, well, just because something's hard to leave behind and separate from doesn't mean that it's what you should stay doing, right? If your heart and your soul like knows that there's something else you're supposed to be doing and you don't do it, I don't even want to know what happens then, you know, like, (laughs) I don't want to know how Because just like everything else, right, with our past lives and these traumas that we have to heal eventually, it's like, I feel like you'd be creating a whole new one where you're like, now I'm gonna have to deal with this next life because I'm clearly not going to get through it this life. Um, So it was really, really emotional and really heartbreaking. And I had this very good friend, um, Sasha, if she ever is listening to this, who she just like got it. She's the only person I was so lucky to have her because she was like, yeah, you, it hurts. You're going to, you know, and the part that hurts the most is you don't get to share your hurt with them. They're your best friend. And they're the person you share everything with, but you don't get to share that with them because you have to be there for them to heal while this is going on. And so we actually lived together for another like six months after that. And it was because there was just like no other way that our lives could work out. I had to finish my school year and he had to finish his school year. And we're still friends. Like we're still friends now, even, um, which is really great and cool. And I'm very I lucky. That's fantastic. I think it's I, rare. Actually, um, I say if you look at your entire past history of people you dated, and you're not friends with any of those people, you are the asshole. 
You yeah. are the <laughs> Something's asshole. Wrong. <laughs> yeah, like if some relationships, you should walk away both being good people where your judgment yeah. was good. They were a good person. You're good. You know, neither of you are fucked. You're just not for that part of each other's future. And um, I don't know. A lot of my uh, exes are some of my best, closest friends, like um, like men and women <laughs> that I'm so you- grateful for them. Um, you shared that you got that close and intimate. Like, how can you just erase it? Right. It's still there. Yeah. And some it's of just not just active. Awesome. You almost a lot of what I'm doing now is kind of breaking the conditioning of how much society has pushed things to come through our root chakra. So, so many of our emotions. Um, I don't know if that made a big, loud noise. I don't even know. What the, um, so, <laughs> so many of our I know like uh, technical difficulty and being my own producer. <laughs> no, but um, I don't know how many of uh, I totally it totally blew my mind too. when it what was I just saying? What were we just how many people that you've been with or that we've broken up with or um, shit exes. I know. I'm like, I wish I could just rewind that easy and just be like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just talking about. Um, hmm, maybe it'll come up if it's important. I kind of believe it, it will if it is important. Um, I think so too. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, exes and your assholes, uh, or if they're if you're not friends with any of them, and um, I don't know. I'm just really grateful for the people in my. Oh yeah, society pushing everything through our root chakra. <gasps> That's what it was. Um. I th- I wonder how many if if my first instinct of like oh my gosh I really think this person's fucking awesome like whether you admire them or look up to them or think they're beautiful or talented or whatever the thing is I wonder how much of it if not always just like I need to fuck them or I need to date them or I need to make them mine I need to title it up somehow I wonder if that wasn't there if those people wouldn't have been friends all along like, yeah if it wasn't a pollution that happened just because of our conditioning. That's a really good point. Yeah. And, and with him, I too, like I was able to, uh, you know, in part of the synchronicities and like spiritual experiences that happened that led me to understand that I had to leave him. Um, you know, I understood that the, the way we got together and the reason like that propelled us into each other's arms and like the reason we had like, gotten so close so fast and all of that was actually built in dysfunction as much as there was all this like really beautiful and really deep connection and things that came out of it that were good like it stemmed from this like rotten foundation and it and there's something energetically in that that just was never going to work anyways you know but like you said like I don't know if we ever would have gotten together if we didn't have that like forcing us together it's really like you said that root chakra dysfunction like something's going on there um, which is interesting because with this, you know, with Johnny, I uh, feel like I'm finally healing something in my root chakra, which is pretty old and has needed to be healed for a long time. So it's interesting that how that connects to, you know, when you're with the the sort of right person, so to speak, or like you finally do find your soulmate. I think like that's part of the purpose that you find each other at that time is you're like, have healed enough of yourself independently and love yourself and you're in that place where you can like really because this is the other thing is we both said this didn't know we were both saying it but we were both saying it um both johnny and i independently at the same time we're saying to ourselves like i'm probably never going to be with anyone ever again and that's okay like i'm just very happy to be me and to be living my truth and to be you know going the direction that i want to go and to be in a place that i really like love myself and 
that's all there is to it. And then we've met each other. <laughs> so mm-hmm. like part of me was like, I really think you had to, we had to like get to that place. And now that we are together, I feel like the things we're healing, we couldn't have healed on our own. You know, like we've healed all of our personal individual trauma. And now we're healing like maybe like collective or maybe just into interdependent trauma or something. I'm not really sure like what that even means, but that's what it feels like. It's cool that you met somebody in like an alternative um, chat room, even though it was your chat room, it was still like an alternative thinking, open-minded. I think that's really important. I tell people even, not that you intended to date him, um, but I think it's important to be in around a group of people that think like you. I hear people on dating apps and they're like, well, this guy, you know, they're conservative and ah, this guy's a liberal, but, or they're Christian, ah, this guy's a Buddhist, but, or they, you know, are whatever their, their ism is. And I'm like, no, those are the big things. Like you really, you're the way your brain thinks and just being able to like think with an open heart and an open head. Like if once something becomes your foundation, it's allowed to be your foundation. Like, you know, mine's kind of woo woo and crazy, my foundation. Um, but (laughs) it's like, there are certain things it's not going to mesh with in the long haul. And I sometimes think people, um, I think that's important though, uh, that you guys met in kind of like a forum. Yeah. Well, we talk about that too. Like we've, neither of us have ever had, um, a relationship where we feel or just know so fully that the other person, like, it's not even it's like beyond even that where we share this um foundation of our our psychosocial world sort of but that like we truly fully see all of each other's soul all of it like the ugly and the horrible and the great and the beautiful and we like love it we're like yeah that exactly that it's like exactly what i love you like all of you and that is so rare i think and we look we both talk about like we look around at a lot of people and we're like I don't know, what would you guess the percentage of people is that do get together based on this sort of like checklist of like, well, you know, they, they live in my area and they're like, have the physique I like and the colored hair I like, you know, or whatever yeah, it is. Yeah. And even though they're like liberal or whatever you it might be, like the exact eh. same things when the shit you do for your free time means not, it's like really the way you think like and feel that is all the shit that matters. And those questionnaires never ask that stuff. They ask the weirdest things that I'm like, and like (laughs) my wife and I have nothing in common. Like we would never match up on an app. So I just feel like um, I I do think it's really chat rooms and things like this are kind of important too, because they take a lot of the sexuality out of it. It it makes you both vulnerable. So I think um, I imagine for straight people in a way makes it more like a lesbian relationship because it's a lot of phone calls, long distance, like just different kind of works that go on where it becomes like emotional before it's sexual for a long time. Like the friendship builds before maybe um, everything else. And that's like such an important part of it all. Like, you know, sexuality is fucking awesome. But then it's like when you can be friends and hang out with the same group of people, that is everything. Well, and I, this is really sad truth, but I think this is the first time that I had uh, sex with someone 
like after learning to love that or learning to love them sounds really dumb but you know after realizing i loved them instead of before the opposite which is fucked up yeah like you know like wow like that's dysfunctional you know and i now i'm like this huge proponent of like holy shit you should love someone before you have sex with i mean i don't care do whatever you want i just in my life have realized that like sex is actually this like truly profoundly spiritual experience and if you're doing it because you're drunk or you're doing it because you're just horny or this person's just there and so like why not or like all those reasons like I think I think you're building something and I don't think it's the best thing you can build you know but like I said I'm not I don't judge I don't care I think people should do whatever they want I definitely did um but now I'm in that place you know where I'm like whoa this is like a profound gift I have and I'm not just gonna like I would never ever be able to just like give it away again and it's this um really amazing experience and then I just kind of look back I'm like how did I never do that before <laughs> like wow the whole thing just... I, <laughs> I think you're the only uh, lady in podcasting that does your hair different more than I do like I'm always really? like Bleaching mine, growing mine out, cutting mine, but I feel like yours is like different every show. That's why I hear that a lot. I like was just looking back at some show like not that long ago and I was like, oh my God, my hair looked like that. Like this was only like a few months ago, but at the time I loved it. And now I look at it, I'm like, I hate that. So maybe that's why. How when it's darker or like, I know, I wonder if everybody else, but every show it seems so different that I feel like it's been months (laughs) since I've seen you. I'm like, how is this possible? People are probably like, is she, yeah, she's a shapeshifter. <laughs> What's going on here? Okay. So, um, you just said that, uh, it was like one of the first times, like being fully present and like falling in love with somebody before you had sex with them and like not even the alcohol or the drugs of it all. Do you think like you invited dark entities into yourself with tarot and do you think you could do it with other things like drugs and alcohol or people? Yes. Then that all becomes like a mix of dark energies, maybe that you welcome into you because ritual magic and then sigil magic and sexual magic is a magic, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's magic whether you intend it to be or not. So that's why I, that's part of what I was kind of hinting at when I was talking about sex being this profound, you know, beautiful experiences. I feel like it's magic whether you're intending it to be or not. You can literally create life with it. Uh, And if you're not creating life, you're also creating something else because you're still amassing all of that energy and then exploding it to get, and like if you do it at the same time, like, you know, and all that energy is going out into what though you know like if you're not intentional about it it's still happening but you could also be intentional about it so I think that's true of anything and I think it's true of drugs and alcohol and I think that um you know I think there's a lot of ways you can use drugs uh various substances in really positive ways you know like I microdose sometimes and I think that is really positive for me I know people who use um you know, even stronger doses of psilocybin and other hallucinogens and really powerful ways for themselves that, you know, psychologically and spiritually and physically is like really good for them. And, and um, I think you can do that, but I think it's just like anything that you have to do it intentionally and you have to do it, you know, for this reason, you have to prepare for it in the right way. And you have to, you know, direct energies that come about in the right way. And you have to know, what you're doing. Um, like and if you are don't a powerful tool, like you should be intentional with them every time you take them. 
Otherwise, yeah. you could maybe open, <laughs> like the same as a Ouija board. Maybe like it's maybe powerful, and if you do it, you have to yeah. respect that. Yeah, respect it. Yeah, and like you, you know, if you, especially when most of us who are doing drugs or alcohol and and not in any way thinking about any of that, we're just like partying and having fun and whatever. If you're like me, you passed out a lot and lost consciousness and like woke up in the morning like, oh, what? Like, where am I? Who am I? What's going on? And, you know, you were gone for a little bit of time. And then, you know, later shamanic experiences and teachings that I had, um, that's what I was taught too, is that, you know, I had to do all of these uh, soul retrievals because every time you leave your body empty like that, in some way, something comes into it and you you know, detach that part of yourself so that that thing can stay almost, right? And so now it's like there, it's attached to you. It's like kind of in you energetically and you, but you've also lost a piece of yourself. You just left it there. Who knows where it even is, you know? <laughs> so like spiritually, and this is part of the, um, you know, what can happen when I do ceremony for people too, is that we go and we find these pieces and bring them back to the person and you know, it's happening on the energetic and the spiritual level, but it's another one of those things like you didn't choose for it to happen, but you also made the opportunity just perfect for it to happen. And, um, but it's sad, like how many people are just like throwing off pieces of themselves all the time and getting more and more empty. And I think this is how you get to the point where you get, you know, much more commonly, it's like a murky sort of gray or like brown aura where things are just not flowing right and just... it's just gross and muddied up um is because you've like lost so many things so many parts of you over so much time uh that you're just it's really really hard for your energetic body to keep a solid you know significant like i wonder if it's like some people because some people black out drunk and some people don't at all i wonder what that says about their spirit that some people are throwing off pieces of themselves always and other people no matter how much they drink they're there (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> it's just inter, it, you know, because it's not an amount of substance. Just some people, they hit a certain level, and you know, they're not there anymore. And you can see it too. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, people would tell me like, "Oh my God, Lindsay, you're like the happiest, drunk, and the most fun. You're like the life of the party." And then you like hit a wall, and you are an asshole, and you're like <laughs> rude to people, and like you start fights and all this stuff. And I'm like, I don't know, that's just who I am when I'm drunk. But now I'm like, oh, from alcohol. Yeah, I quit drinking only like three years ago or something, um, which has been great. I really like it. (laughs) Or you were just like slowly just like not this isn't my low vibe anymore. Yeah, I really what happened was I (laughs) I was just drinking a lot for me, at least like I Johnny used to be like a really severe alcoholic. And you can hear his story if you want to go to his episode of Rogue Ways. Uh, Johnny Larson is his name. And he talks about it. He he would drink like gallons of like the bottom shelf vodka or whatever, like a day. And I was never anywhere close to that. Like my my worst I guess there was a time where I drank a lot more when I was younger, but in this, you know, I'm like 39 now, I think I quit when I was 36. And at that time I was just drinking like maybe like four, four beers a day, six beers if it was like a really heavy day. Uh, But that's a lot for me. And I'd be shit. I'd be drunk like every single day. And it wasn't horrifying. It wasn't ruining my life. It wasn't like the worst thing. I would just sit at the bar and hang out with people and just drink. And that was just like what I liked to do for fun. And, um, I, again, I had started this group and uh, another person in it, not Johnny, 
His name is Benjamin Balderson, and you can hear him on Crow Triple Seven, and I think he even has his own channel. Um, he's he's a pretty intelligent guy. He messaged me, and this was before any of that. He we became friends, you know, a, a while ago, and he messaged me because I had said on a post that I do this for my health. I do this for my health. I have like smoothies and I put supplements in it. And I'm like, blah, 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 and all this stuff. And then I was kind of joking, but not really. And I said, but I kind of ruin it every day because then I go drink a bunch of beer. And he saw that and it, he messaged me and he just said, you know, I'm an alchemist and alcohol's purpose is to separate the spirit from the body. And I was like, <laughs> it's just like, hit me and sunk in instantly. He didn't, he wasn't like arguing with me. He wasn't trying to get me to quit drinking. He was just saying the truth, right? I put alcohol in this physical body, this plant, and it separates the spirit from it. And I was just, I was like, holy shit. Like that's all it does. That is its purpose. (laughs) That's what it does physically. That's what it does mentally. That's what it does spiritually. Like that is what alcohol is. It's this, you know, dissolvent, this disconnector. And um, I just never drank again. So I didn't mean to quit and I wasn't like on a like, oh my God, I need my life to be better or different or anything. I just was like, I very much so do not want to separate my soul from my body ever again. So I'm not going to. (laughs) I think it's so um, interesting with the spiritual path or spiritual awakening or whatever. It seems to kind of be this natural thing that happens. Um, Sometimes... uh, you know, not so natural. Sometimes it's like a really traumatic experience, it seems, that um, bring people like, uh, I was never a shitty drunk. I'm usually the person that my friends beg to see me drunk. And most of my (laughs) friends around, they're like, um, I've only seen uh, Cheney drunk, you know, blank amount of times, and I've known her for this amount of time. And uh, it's kind of funny that uh, it may be my own ego death, just of control freakness. even a drinking on the idiocalypse a little bit was just like so against my character uh, yeah. to be like, okay, let's just get drunk and break. But I'm never blackout drink. I never lose my driver. Um, sometimes I think I lose my um, filters. And so I'm yeah. like, oh, shit. I don't think I normally would have said that. You know, Because people are like, <laughs> right. the truth comes out when you're drunk. And I totally don't believe that at all. I think it's... Uh, Kind of like a, uh, the person that drives, because my wife is a blackout drunk, and she has an alter ego, and she doesn't, and and she doesn't get blackout drunk all that reg. But when you know a thousand years ago when we first got together, she definitely did more. And I'm like, your blackout drunk self does not want us together. <laughs> I just yeah. want you to know that. <laughs> no. I just want you to know she does not want us together. <laughs> And she'd be like, like yes, she, she will does. satisfy talking about him. Like, you've never met her. You'll you don't never know her. her. You don't <laughs> yeah. know her like I know her. <laughs> it's so true. Yeah, I'm lucky that I've never had that relationship with alcohol or really any drugs. I've abused a lot of drugs really heavily, but I've never been dependent on any of them physically. And I've, you know, I've never been what I would call addicted. I just, you know, use them to the point where I think most people would call it addiction, just be, for lack of a better word. But yeah, I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't know. That's another thing where like, I'm not judging anyone, drink all you want. But like, that is true that alcohol separates spirit from the body. 
that's its role. I know. <laughs> that's what I it think does. that's such a brilliant. I mean, you could you can feel it. You can feel like people are like, oh, I'm stressed. I need to wash the stresses Just of myself away. Let me let's drink. Let's or uh, they want to lower their inhibitions because they want they're like, oh, I really want to hook up with this person, but I don't yes. want everyone to know I want to hook up with this person. And so it's just like who drives you during the time that you are even less there? You know, because I say I don't black out. I'm there. But who do I allow to hang out with me then? <laughs> and just like whisper things like sub audibly in your brain. So you're like, yeah, that's a great idea. I'm going to say that. Like that's you said, so and then funny. you're like, wait, <laughs> that's so funny. You should totally say that. And then it's like really offensive. And you're like, I right. never said that <laughs> ever. Yeah. <laughs> and it's that's another thing, you know, with my um, my guy at the time that I wouldn't have thought would be like a wedge between us. But um but it definitely was very different because we drank together heavily, you know, all the time, frequently. And that was part of why we got together. It was part of why we had so much fun together and got so close so quickly and whatever. And, you know, and then um, when I quit drinking, like, he didn't want to quit drinking. He's like, I don't care if some random internet guy told you that. Like, I'm not going to, you know, and I wasn't, I didn't want him to either. I didn't care. Like, he should do whatever he wants. But eventually, it was just this very different you know, now we have, it's like we were talking about earlier, like it's, it doesn't really matter if you like to do the same things or not. But at the same time, if that's what one of the like foundational pieces you had, and that disappears, like the whole relationship is actually super different. And, and I would get really annoyed because I'm like, I love you. But fuck, when you're like drinking or drunk, like it's so annoying to just be sober and watch you be drinking and drunk. Like that's not, it's boring. And it's annoying because you see all the things that come out that like wouldn't normally and it's like oh my god like this is so frustrating like it's really it's just like go to any bar when people are drunk and you're sober like it's not fun have you been a bartender in life (laughs) no but i always hear that teaching and bartending are like the exact same set of skills so (laughs) (laughs) it seems like uh just um drunk the for me like just a trigger i can deal with a lot of drunk behavior but i just don't like once you hit the regurgitation of the story where i'm like you just told me this and then they (laughs) they acknowledge that you just said that you just told me this and then they finish telling you i'm like i don't want to I'll be like, can't do this. And then I'm like, at this point, if you don't remember that you just told me, you're not going to remember that I walk away from this conversational. That's true. (laughs) I'm going to be over there at the dartboard. I'm like, I don't want to, I don't want to play with this anymore. Um, Yeah. Alcohol is a a fickle thing. Um, It seems fun. It seems like um, alcohol, um, whatever spirit bring that it brings, that spirit loves to dance. Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> especially the tequila spirit. <laughs> I'm like, this is the only time I've been on like a table dancing is like tequila. And every time I had tequila, I was like, all of a sudden, I'm like a Western character and I need to like dance on tables and wear cowboy hats for some reason. I'm like, what is that? Like, where did that come you from? You have a whole alter ego. <laughs> yeah. Well, I just get saucy on tequila. I'm like, picking fights with like 300 pound men and i'm like why do i think i'm invincible like this is insane but like every alcohol has like its own character and it's you gotta think like this is sort of the essence of some plant right and so does that plant is that that plant's character (laughs) like if it could be personified you know is this is like vodka turns you into what a potato wishes it could be or something (laughs) like i don't know that's so (laughs) funny i also heard that like uh whatever energy is in that thing, you experience the collective of the energy shared doing that thing. 
So oh, wow. Yeah. So that's why like mushrooms is such a fun time because people like it's you they find it outside and do it outside and they've been doing it for thousands of years for all this like really rich spiritual stuff. And that's why we find it, it's like hard for us to off tilt it in the last 50 years. Um partying with it because it's been used so long or um, wow. but that's why acid's so fickle because acid's only been around this amount of times and though it may be used uh. for festival it might be used for a lot of other nefarious things so it's like you you hit this one side or the other with it or that's why like cocaine so chatty and like super because everyone that does it is you know it's like um, so you just share like I love that overall collective of everyone of that thing yeah, that makes so much sense, especially one of my favorite theories is the morphogenetic field theory by of Rupert Sheldrake's, where it's basically the idea of the tulpa or the, you know, the thought form taking form um, and holding this like shape in this collection of energies of everybody who's ever touched it or put something into it. And, you know, you pick up like a penny that's super ancient, it's going to have all of this information attached to it. You have like a brand new penny, it's not going to have like the same thing you know but like everything has a morphogenetic field and that makes so much sense that you know if you did any of these substances it would carry that that history with it that morphogenetic field which then makes me wonder of these strains of like weed too where they're like growing you know hybrids and all this stuff and like that is like really brand new is it a completely new morphogenetic field or is it like a merging of the two or a little bit both. That's where conspiratorial I get with the, the weed a little bit is all this playtime and quickly done stuff like how far like it's already genetically modified at some point not everyone some people have very organic beautiful weed but then True. as we slowly lean into this oil and pen life and uh, as long as there's an option for the pen then the plant slowly becomes legal and then you can't grow your own and you can't do all this stuff. And then they produce the oil and then they can put in whatever they want. It becomes the same as like the Dasani bottle. It's like if it's an unregulated thing and we're just now smoking it, smoking it. And it just makes me so weary of yeah. not being like the tomato. Like, it's I don't know what's open. in your ketchup. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's not like open-ended and organic anymore in the non-organic, organic sense of organic. Okay, <laughs> you know and I mean. here's, a, <laughs> this is to totally flip on you, but kind of in the vaccine of it, let's say this is not my school of thought, but let's just say vaccines themselves from the source after they're created are some magical thing of alchemy and wonder that cures horrible things that in your body where are these syringes coming from and machines and bags and all the pieces coming from that are pumping the magic serum into the needle that goes into you and how hard would it be to put whatever other thing inside those containers that have nothing to do there's just so many working pieces to trust a liquid being shoved into your body Ugh, you know like really ethanol true. at the gas station they're like this is ethanol free and they guarantee it and you know like if they have tanks or any mixture like if think of your car if you put diesel in the tank it'll stop running you know, yeah. so it's just like, what else is in these other things, like these other squirting machines? Like, I just imagine a factory and a needle coming underneath, and it's like squirt, shink, squirt, shink, squirt. What's in the syringe? 
like who made the syringes? Where did the syringe coming from? So did a rat fall in a vat somewhere along the way? And now we have rat in there too, or whatever, like, just like, like we do with all our food. China making the syringes. Yeah. And why are we <laughs> trusting that? You know, like, are, is China making the masks? Is China making the syringes? Did China make the virus? You know, whatever. It's like yeah. the, the wonder, wonder, wonder. But I just think it's interesting that um, the cure always seems to be, or the cause always seems to be in the cure. Huh. Like, yeah. I don't remember everyone in the world having, like, tons of flu until there being tons of flu shots. And so yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, did everyone in the world have, were we battling colds constantly? And now we're going to have a cold shot. Like, it's just, yeah. I, I just wonder how much is us and how much is them. Yeah. Like, is it the problem and then find the solution or are they creating the problem so they can make money off the solution? What do you Problem, think? reaction, solution. <laughs> I think they absolutely created it. I mean, like people get sick, whatever, you know, and like historically people get sick. I, before they were making vaccines, people got sick. But pretty rarely did we see these like huge like uh, outbreaks or these like really violent strains of things like and I am not saying that this one is a violent strain of anything. But, you know, for example, like swine flu not that long ago, like that was actually pretty bad. Like people were actually dying and more people were dying, like legitimately, without numbers being inflated. And that seemed a bit worse, you know, and, um, and did that come from like a vaccine or, or whatever? Like, maybe, right? Like, it's very, it seems more likely to me that that would happen than that, like, somebody killed a pig in the wrong way and like had a cut on their hand and like got a swine flu or whatever. And that was the first time like, this has been happening throughout, again, human history, like we often get allegedly these diseases from animals, but how close we live to them and, and often sleep with them or worse, uh, <laughs> like some oh, disgusting yeah, people. Right. <laughs> um, and so like this happens, but, but yeah, it seems like we're getting like at least more hype, but like maybe bigger and better strains. And yeah, someone has now to profit off of it, which it wasn't necessarily always true before. And so that would make more sense to me than that suddenly in human history, we're like getting all of these over and over again, really violent strains every year. There's something else. And like, it's a big problem. And, you know, like that, it makes more sense to me that that would be created rather than just like happenstance. Like what's different about now than 500 years ago. It's that I, I think Halliburton, um, do you remember that oil spill that was in the Gulf of Mexico? And yeah, um, yeah, it was like an endless sieve of just oil coming out and they didn't know what they were going to do. It was like Fred Flintstone rolling in boulders. I mean, they tried everything, <laughs> you know, like they it was like Elon Musk was like, I'm going to build a submarine for it. And, you know, Bill <laughs> Gates is like, oh, I made a computer program. for. I don't know what they talked about, but it was like all the rage yeah. just spewing oil into the Gulf. Um I think it's so interesting that Halliburton, they can write all that stuff off. They can write off all the loss of all that. And then they own the cleanup company <laughs> and own the chemical that doesn't really clean it up. It like weighs on the oil and drops it to the seafloor. So who knows the long-term effect on whatever is going on. So they oh all God. own all these other layers of it and they make way, way, way more money off cleaning it up than they do any of the oil. So it's just like... It's a little it, bit convenient. <laughs> yeah, so it's just like kind of... Uh, 
that's how I look at this whole um, thing. It just seems like the hospitals and now in New York, the, if, if you have a loved one um, that died oh, yeah. uh, of coronavirus, you get $9,000. And if they don't have corona on their death certificate, you can take it and have it changed. So that's so fucked up. Yeah, like it's an incentive to have people claim that their loved one died of coronavirus so they can. And why wouldn't numbers. you do that after a huge shutdown where you lost your job or couldn't work or like your business got shut down or whatever happened to you? That was like not many people who weren't already very exceptionally wealthy are have done very well during this period of time. So you have this huge motivation to lie to get that, too, you know, which people already would have just to be like, I'll take 9,000 bucks or whatever it is. But now they have this added of like, I need 9,000 bucks. So I kind of feel like I have to do this. Like what a shitty scam. Of course, the corporate monster of the hospital inflated all the numbers to begin with because they were getting 35, $38,000. Yeah. They had their financial incentive too. And I'm also like, whose money? Where's this coming from? Who said it was okay with me that you're like, I know I'm not a New York resident, but if I were, I'm like, why did you ask me if I thought it was cool to use my tax money in that way? Like, who the fuck are you? What is happening? This is the other thing too. Like um, a lot of the bills that are being pushed through are to bail out all these cities that have been poorly managed during the whole crisis. So we're getting and before bills. the crisis. Yeah. Oh, they were already before. Yeah. So mismanaged. And so we're <laughs> all just like, worse. just push the bill. Just push the bill. I want my $1,400. Just push the bill. But really, they're like, ha, ha, ha. We got them to get in. Now it's like a trillion dollars. And we get to siphon it into all of like Nancy Pelosi's pockets in San Francisco. <laughs> And yes. like it completely paid off the whole debt of San Francisco. Like that's just one oh of the my cities God. that I remember like looking into and being like, it's like the poor, most poorly managed shithole that there is. They're like, here's the model of how to turn the U S into a third world country. Let's do it in San Francisco, <laughs> which is sad because it's such a beautiful area. You know, I drove through there for the first time when I was leaving that life of being a teacher and, you know, with that guy and like starting something new and traveling around the continent in my van with my bed in the back. And I drove through San Francisco and it was like, so it's so beautiful. There's all this water and there's that, that bridge (laughs) and you drive over the bridge and like the city just like unfolds before you. And that whole area just around it is gorgeous and beautiful too. And, and then you realize that it's just trashed. It's completely ruined, like just trashed. <laughs> it's like trashed with people, and it's just you can feel like the soullessness. You can, it yeah. seems like there's hu- a lot of humans there, but they don't seem like you or me. And it doesn't even seem like, and I don't even mean in a woke, unwoke, blue pilled, red pill way. I mean, they don't seem like e- even present. them. Yeah, they don't seem <laughs> yeah. present in flesh. Like, um, do you believe in NPCs? Like, that whole, like, not real like there's soulless beings that walk about and like plug themselves in when we don't see just to keep us on track i don't i don't necessarily think that it's that like i don't think that the universe was like all right we need some like placeholders and some people who will just say this at this time and like just do their program and not think i do think that people make themselves npcs and and act like npcs um but that this is like their um spiritual choice that they've made to just abandon again like you know, if it's, I feel like it's a lot of responsibility to decide to do tarot readings and spiritual guidance or whatever. They feel like it's a lot of responsibility to just think and make choices. <laughs> so they've like just given that up and they're like, I just do what I'm told and do what is expected of me. And I know I was told to get married and have kids and get a house and 
um, say that vaccines are good and fight people who aren't wearing masks. So that's what I do. And I don't ever think about it and I don't question it and I don't have goals really. And, you know, like, have you met people who you're like, you know, where would you go if you could go anywhere? And they're like, uh, what? <laughs> they're like, and you're like anywhere, like the whole world, like you could just go and just have fun and not even think about it. Like it'd be taken care of for you and someone else on the planet, like, where would you go? And they're like, mm. <laughs> and then you like, can't come up with an answer. And I'm always like, think you might be an NPC because how could you not <laughs> have an idea of like something like you could ask me any question and I could come up with something you know you broke the programming <laughs> like free will uh, question what to yes. do doesn't have multiple choice <laughs> I wonder they probably never did considered. that too multiple choice was probably a conditioning that's a good point yeah Ew, because then I wonder too, like if the like what well, something that they've done, you know, in our environment, our atmosphere, or whatever, has you know made us a lot stupider. It feels that way at least, and it seems like that's been their goal for a while. So, was there a time where like everyone could answer non-multiple choice questions, but then they like did something, and then after that, they were like, eh, "It's going to be really obvious. No one can answer these questions, so we better like give them these options. <laughs> Just choose one." Well, even uh, one of the you brought up alchemy earlier, earlier, and I think it's so important that people look into alchemy. Um, I think it's so important that ink on paper and lead on paper, and what kind of paper you're writing on, and putting intentions in that old school way. Um, is everything the ritual of it is everything so much more important than tippity tappity and, and I know you're uh, write books and are an author <laughs> uh, but sometimes even that rawest form of still taking it back to paper and doing that but then another level of it <laughs> is um, they're taking like cursive away from kids and do you think there's like personality and writing where it's attached like that or maybe a magic and an alchemy in it Maybe yeah, more than to... the computer eye, more than just the common sense 3D of the computers not being able to read it. Yeah, that's yeah, I, I used to not care. Like I used to not think it mattered. And I was like, I don't know, it's just kind of antiquated. It's not important. Um, and I actually my first year teaching had this like sweetest old lady who was uh, I, I taught on a Native American reservation. And she was like one of the like elders, you know, and she would come into the classrooms and like, you know, help the kids and all this. But she like kept coming up to me at the, uh, that I was teaching English then. Um, all grades. Yeah, well, I know six through 12 is my certification. So I've mostly taught six through 12. And that year it was middle school. So it was like six through eight. But she kept coming up to me in the front of the classroom and being like, like while I was talking to the class and she'd be like, why aren't you teaching them cursive? And I was like, dude, can we like talk about this later? Or like... So she got um, really annoying, unfortunately. And I asked her to be removed from my room, which I always have guilt over because I'm like, she was a beautiful woman and she was awesome. And the kids loved her and their attitudes were better when she was around. But I just like, I can't handle like <laughs> just constantly being interrupted and having to like stop my lesson like to like talk to her about this. <laughs> Yeah. But I, you know, even then I was like, why does she care so much? Like, it's just because like we're attached to what we did when we were in school and she just remembers that and she wants them to do it. And I just kind of thought about it that way. And then eventually um, I've seen more and more. And actually I just did a, I do consultations now. I don't teach anymore, but I like help people homeschool or, you know, uh, whatever else they might want to do with their education for their kids or themselves. And I was talking to one of my clients and they were talking about how their child hated writing would never write they you know I think they were even diagnosed with like dysgraphia or something like 
just some writing, uh, you know, learning disability. And, and she decided, well, I'm going to try to teach them cursive. And she just like, had, it was just an inspiration. She's like, I'm just going to try and see. And now they like write all the time in cursive. And I'm like, weird. So their like thoughts literally couldn't like come out in this like disconnected blockiness. But once they learned cursive, they could. So it's like, let me, and many things like that have happened since, you know, over the years since then, where I've just sort of had this insight, like there's something about cursive that allows our thoughts to flow in certain ways that are different than when we're just writing it out in script. And I've also heard, you know, I have this very messy writing. And the reason it's messy is I, it's like my bastardized cursive, like every letter is connected to every other letter, just because I move really fast. And, um, and I had someone say like, oh, that's a sign of intelligence. And I was like, whatever. But I looked it up and there's actually this <laughs> indication that people who have connected letters, whether it's cursive or your own sort of form of it, um, do have like a different way of thinking or a more creative way of thinking or something like that. I can't remember exactly what it is. So then as another piece, you know, and I'm like, well, is it the cursive or is it the person? And it has to be a little bit of both. And maybe it's something like what we were just talking about with the, um, morphogenetic field of it you know like it's always been like this and the type of thought that was associated with this type of writing over all of these years was very analog it was not digital it's not disconnected it was very organic you know maybe maybe there's all of those things caught up in it so <sighs> given all of that i would say they definitely did it on purpose <laughs> they're like okay take that tool away like stop that kind of activity like, uh, a quill like think of how a pen has changed from the original form and think of how powerful f like somebody in native american would know each bird's feathers are totally different powers and symbolisms yeah. and energies so imagine writing um and and then like hemp paper different than cotton paper that would be different alchemies and so I wonder like what the earliest forms of like certain religious texts were written with or um, my Maria, uh, it will be on when this block releases. And she told me like in law, um, they encourage people or like in a lot of things, I don't even think it's an encourage. They have to write with blue ink. Huh. And I was like, really? And she's like, because the triplicate, like the format, the what's it called? The. It has the carbon copy. Carbon copy, yeah. Yeah, the blue is a totally different thing. Like somebody could carbon your writing, but they, or maybe this is the way I interpreted it. Like they could carbon or copy it in a copying machine and make it look like yours. But if oh, it's blue, it's a totally. I can't. Yeah. So I was yeah. like, that's really interesting. That is really interesting. Blue ink from now on. <laughs> oh, and I always do black. I I'm going to be such a black. Per, like, usually I like just black anything if I'm going to pick a color in it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, blue, interesting. And then I was like, ooh, I wonder what chakra or aura that is. Blue. Blue would be your, well, depending on which tradition you're in, um, blue would be your throat chakra. Hmm. Right? Yeah. That's curious for law too yeah that's okay. interesting yeah it's like a and like the energy of it is kind of like um like a like a i don't even want to say <laughs> like a um it's like acknowledging yourself and empowering yourself and feeling really strong in yourself but you know you can do that like for others or with others but it's this very like independent energy um of it too with the with the blue so I like that. It's like a caring feeling sort of, but not that like deep love energy, but uh, a care, a care, yeah. an honorable caring. <laughs> honorable caring. Um, what are your thoughts of the United States right now? 
I don't know if there is like a United <laughs> States right now. Okay, like I genuinely. Not, not, okay. Not right now. What's the best <laughs> thing about the United States? I mean, I love that we still, if, if you turn off the TV and you could just go talk to people Take like 2020, like just if I would have asked you this question before Corona, like before lockdowns, before, what would you have said? Like the best thing about like being an American or this country was before like so i got my my perspective i got from traveling i would say like ar we really are the most free like we have this idea of freedom and this you know um just value like that's that's what we value we value freedom but we also have like a level of self-responsibility to some extent that isn't necessarily present in other places i've been like and by that i mean like people are expected to not litter and like pick up their trash and like park correctly and you know stay and stand in line and like we have a sort of like a whatever you want to call that it's kind of seems like a self-responsibility or a social responsibility that I genuinely did not see in many other places. And it's cultural, it's culturally different. So like they probably have it too. And it just looks different to me. So I don't vibe with it, but like that, those, those things of like being free, but also having like this idea that like you do things in a certain way because it helps everything like flow better, you know, for everybody, not that everyone's doing that, but just that so we like have that as sort of a value. The United States is kind of libertarian, like in the majority, like they believe in the freedom up to the end of your nose and the majority you would never guess it online or on the TV. But yeah, it seems like what's the worst yeah. thing about it or being an American before oh. or now? Uh, both. <laughs> um, before all of this, I'd say the worst thing would be, be uh, kind of like a snobbish or like an elitist almost of like that sort of idea of like exceptionalism like we have that like we're like oh yeah no we're the best that's just true like there's no question <laughs> um I don't know if that's that bad though it's just like was annoying and I was kind of trained to hate it I was trained to like think of us as assholes and like the whole world hated us even and I learned that wasn't true too but so that kind of like bothers me in a way that's probably not the worst thing though Maybe just like the corporate dominance and that, um, you know, hyper focus on like the business and corporate world and supposed like, you know, personal rights that they have. And we just give them way too much power. So maybe that. What about now? It's a good question. Oh, now? now it's Are the... we any different than the rest <laughs> of the world or is the whole world in the same spot? Like. I think the way that we're the same as the whole world is that everybody is doing the same thing where they're like, is this really what we're doing? And am I actually alone in it? And and that overwhelming, you know, truth is that no, most of us actually see this as like wrong and terrifying and not the direction we should be heading and, and not what we want, but we're not allowed to like say it. We don't feel like we're, we don't know that it's true. And so we feel like we're alone. And so we don't say it. And so then even if we want to say it, we feel like we shouldn't say it. And we have this um, very artificial separation and uh, isolation going on. I think the whole world has that in common right now. Um, And I forgot the question (laughs) after saying that. (laughs) It it was like, uh, what's the worst thing about the United States right now? But then I was like, are we that much different? Is the whole world in the same boat kind of right now? Yeah. As much as we have like these very different cultures and like I was saying, like even things like standing in line is like this completely different world in other places and everything is different. Um, The truth is that we all, we do all have that 
all of the things that make us human. Like we all have, we all want the same things. We want to live our lives. We want to be with the people that we love and we want to do the things that we enjoy. And we hope not to hurt others and we hope nobody hurts us. And at the core, like that's what everybody's doing. Um, You know, but we also all have in common that we're dealing with this parasite class that uh, takes, you know, their liberty of controlling and planning and carrying out these worldwide and global initiatives and agendas that um, they don't even hide. You know, it's it's so, so weird to me that people still call it conspiracy theory. I'm like, you can go look at their own shit. Like they publish it all the time. Like they have all of their meetings. You can see who's invited. You can see where they went and how long they went there. You can see what they talked about. You can go look at their plans. You can go look at their like, um, what is that called? Like event 201 where they their simulations and stuff that they run, like, you know, they tell you what they're doing. They're not hiding any of it. So I don't even know how people think it's a conspiracy theory. Like, it's just true. Um, Those people are doing whatever they want. And I don't think anybody likes it. (laughs) I don't think any normal people really like it. And I think some people have convinced themselves in most countries have this, that group of people have convinced themselves that they like it and that they want to go along with it and support it and that it's the best, you know? And then you have the group of people in every country and all around the world who are like really confused, but think that they know and are like pretty sure that this is what we're supposed to be doing. But I really think the vast majority of people in the world are like, no, I don't want that at all. Why are we doing that? Like, why are you spraying the sky? And like, what is Starlink? And like, who the fuck does Elon Musk think he is? Like, I don't think most people like any of these things. So I think we have more in common with everyone than we might think. I know, um, and it's like the conundrum of like standing up, but what does everybody want a bloody revolution? Aren't we past that? Like, what are we at a caveman war where we're going to build catapults then? Yeah. Like, <laughs> I just think, aren't we at this point that there has to be some other evolution of battle even? Like, um, everybody, yeah. I think that's what everybody's scared because they've feared uh, the shit out of us with their type of war. Um, but there has to be a way of not consenting to the current. And we're all watching it on TV. All these actors, politicians, people um, kind of play this part. And it is so bizarre. Like I watch it. I watch different stations knowing they're all a lie. And I watch even the newscasters and actor. They're talking about actors like everybody. I just feel like I'm watching a play. Yeah. And at what point are we, how do you stand up from the matrix? Like, how do you Truman? Do you just get in a boat and start sailing? Like, what is the (laughs) next step? So eventually you got to play along. What do you do now? I don't know. (laughs) I think like, to me, it really is this spiritual war and it's similar to what like all the traditional like doomsday sort of spiritual warfare, I think predicted and whatnot, but I don't think it's necessarily like, Oh, it's Satan and his forces against God and his forces. It's like, it's like the energy of it, right? Like there are these like degradations and these like pretty severe disconnections and they've gotten to like an extreme point of psychopathy and like, and, and condensation of that psychopathy into like a, like they meet, they're all the psychopaths with the most power, like meet in their little yeah. rooms and decide these things. So like, it's gotten you to said that they point. Meet? I thought you said, and they mate. And they oh, well, they both. also mate. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, like, we need more of us. Yeah, and then they create more psychopaths by like torturing their kids and whatever. <laughs> like it's ridiculous, but so I do. It's it's a spiritual war and it's um real and that's actually what's going on. And so the antidote is spiritual too. And 
it's like way too easy for some people to accept. But you think about it, like the people who can't see this and who won't stand up against this um, and who are going along with it, like they're suffering from a spiritual malaise. Like they have also cut off part of themselves. If you can genuinely choose to force somebody, this is what they're talking about doing, right? To force somebody to wear a filthy mask on their face or force somebody to inject this random substance into their body, you've lost what makes you truly good and and beautiful and human. You gave it away at some point. So, and that's a spiritual choice you made. Uh, and you did it out of fear. You did it for whatever, because this is all you know, like you said, like, what kind of warfare are we going to be doing here? And it's like, well, they're, they've made their choice a long time ago of what works the best. And it's psychological warfare, and that like nonlinear warfare. And so if we're ever going to escape from that, well, we have to be aware of it. And you have to know what it is. And then you have to know your own psychology so well that you don't fall victim to any of their tricks, because they're really good at it. They're exceptionally good at it. They've been studying this for who knows how many thousands of years. TVs. Yes, longer yeah. than radios, longer than newspapers. They gave you all these things because they learned how to control them before they gave them to you. Exactly. So they're, they're doing that. So we have to know that and combat that not by like, going out. I mean, it'd be cool to like burn down the 5G towers allegedly, or like, <laughs> you know, like take out their sort of means of, of using some of this, these tools and technologies. But at the core of it, if you know, like, I know I can't be hypnotized. And I've had people who are like, say they hypnotize anyone try and they can't hypnotize me. And I really think it's just because I believe I can't be hypnotized. <laughs> and I think it's the same in like my, um, you know, when I'm doing spiritual work, like I have a spiritual boundary I set up, nothing can get through it. I don't think that's because I'm special. I think it's because I believe it so firmly that it's true and nothing can get through it, you know? And I think that's true of all of this as well. If we can get um, solid enough in ourselves and know ourselves well enough and have it like at a spiritual level, at a psychological level, mental level, like that we, we know their tricks and that they're not going to work on us and that we choose to instead be people who are fully present and aware of our emotions and healthy and dealing with our emotions as much as possible, that all their tricks work a lot less effectively. And then just like we were talking about earlier, when you sort of like bring something into this world, other people can kind of like see it or feel it or like hundredth monkey, like vibrate with it, you know, sympathetic vibrations with that. Like you're doing that with that as well, where you're like, no, I don't, I see through your tricks. This isn't scary to me. Like you can pretend all you want, but I'm not going around down with it. If everybody had that, none of this shit would work. It just wouldn't. They'd be like, stay in your house. And we'd be like, no, I'm good. And they'd be like, wear a mask. And we'd be like, yeah, no, I'm not going to do that either. You know, and <laughs> it would just all start to crumble. So like, it wouldn't have to be this, like, let's go find them and like stab their faces and hang them up yeah. from poles or whatever, which people could do that if they want to. I'm not completely Allegedly. opposed. Allegedly. <laughs> Allegedly, people could do that. I'm not like entirely opposed to it, but I'm never going to do that. I don't want to deal with the next lifetime of trauma that comes from that. Um, you know, unless I really needed to, whatever. I'm not in, saying. In this spiritual war, what are way, yeah. some ways you can help people? Because you're actually somebody who is equipped to help people go through all that. So what are some ways that you're equipped to do this? Well, I think um, with tarot, tarot is really nice because tarot's got, um, you know, the readings have like this pattern they can pull out of your life and they can, uh, it can be very affirming of the things that you 
kind of knew, but you weren't really sure if you could like trust yourself or like if you're crazy for thinking that or whatever. And, and it can also pull up some of the things where you're like, yeah, you kind of knew that too. But you like, we're trying to avoid it because it's annoying to know that you have to like, probably like heal that part of yourself and stop being an asshole in that way or whatever. Like it, it just has this really nice way of like having these multiple mirrors to see like what's, what's going well and what's working and what you probably need to take care of and focus on. And, um, and it's very affirming in that way. So it's kind of a, it's kind of nice um, for people who like maybe aren't as well versed in a lot of this or don't haven't had like really profound spiritual experiences. And I think the guidance session is better for people who have had like something happen or they just like know there's like maybe something sort of dark hanging around that they haven't been able to get rid of or like, um, or they want to talk through a lot of this type of stuff. Like, okay, here's what happens to me. And like, here's how I like think about it and what, what I do. And like, is that what I should be doing? Or is that normal? Or like that, you know, it's like a combination of talk therapy and like spiritual therapy <laughs> with some, uh, like I said, sometimes there's like uh, soul retrievals that happen or like, you know, some deeper level healings or like sometimes people's past lives do come up and then I'm able to share with them, you know, something that happened to them, which again, like always then explains this sort of physical health problem. I'm grabbing my throat while I'm saying this because my throat was my first one that I'm like, oh, that's what that's from, um, <laughs> you know, and then they'll understand that. And sometimes then they'll have like profound uh, physical healing just from the sort of like understanding of like, okay, I get it now. Like I I see where it comes from. And all of these things seem really disconnected from what we were just talking about in a way. You can see it, you can release it. Something like it's like observing it and then you can let it go kind of shit. Yes. And sometimes it keeps happening too. I don't want to like promise people that like spontaneous (laughs) miracles always occur, but like even then it's always getting better because now you're aware and you understand Mm -hmm. like the, all of our physical stuff is part spiritual and part like emotional, you know, and the more you're unleashing any of those aspects, the more the rest of them are transforming. But all of this stuff helps you become, you know, a more present and a more whole individual that is a lot less likely to give up any part of yourself and disconnect from any part of yourself. And that's their whole game. Their whole game is just getting you to agree to like give up part of yourself or disconnect from your source and your soul. And how can everyone find you um, if they need any of this? And um, you do all sorts of cool stuff over there. Um, I said earlier, um, you've written books. Um, you make awesome jewelry, awesome art. You put out a killer show. Um, but yeah, tell, say everything. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. The best way to, um, find all of it is from rogueways.org. Um, and it's R O G U E is rogue and then ways, not like the waves of the ocean, but like the pathways that we travel down. So rogueways.org. Um, and you can find all of that, the books I write, the articles and poems, the jewelry that I make. And then there's also a, a page for tarot to explain sort of more about what I do and how I do it. And then a page for, um, spiritual guidance as well. So you can read a little bit more about that. And if you go to the shop, you can sort of do a traditional like purchase of either of those things. Like you're like, okay, I know I want a reading, go buy a reading from the shop. And there's all kinds of other stuff there that you can grab too. But, um, but you can also hit the contact button and just like message me if you just aren't sure if this is right for you and you want to chat a little bit about it. I know a lot of people just are like, okay, okay, but but this is my situation. Like, can you help me with that? So, you know, feel free to reach out too and just say hello. 
Yeah, and um, you have a great community uh, on YouTube and a fun podcast. And I haven't been on all the, everybody's Rockfin pages, um, but I hope to be um, sampling that soon. Um, so. Yeah, Rockfin is super fun, and I really love it. And I just got my first uh, strike on YouTube where the Rogueways um, live videos are, and um, you know, and recorded videos too. But I guess just videos. <laughs> on the YouTube channel. And so I don't know how much longer that channel is going to be around, yeah, unfortunately, guys, but it's a dying platform. So you, yeah. you need to start it. You, you're paying money for your Netflix propaganda. You need to, and, and most of you know, it's propaganda and all being fed to you. And every documentary is being fed to you in a very direct narrative that they're trying to push. So yeah. um, all these other platforms like this um, definitely should be supported. Uh, yeah, and there's tons and of great content on there. You can get woo woo. You can get political. Like I just saw that. I'm like, I can't believe I didn't know Jimmy Dore was on Rockfin too. You know, like little you know, whatever direction that you. There's like MMA stuff and like yeah, there's everything on there. It's just like a traditional sort of not even traditional, I guess, because there's even more than that. But as I say, a traditional radio station where it sort of has different programming throughout the week. It's like everything's there, and if you want, a lot of my content there is still free. Um, but if you do become a supporter, you actually get content, you get everybody on Rockfin's, um, you know, personal, what is it called? Like exclusive content just for that one price. And so it's like I, a I, Netflix where you, it's yeah. so much content, you guys, it's not just, yeah, Very you can cool. subscribe to Lindsay, but you're, you're almost buying a channel and then it has everybody's or you're buying a network and then it has everybody's channel on it. <laughs> yes yes it's really cool and so you got to support what you love especially because people like youtube are always harassing us and canceling us and whatever but yeah about the community that's on youtube um i'm hoping all of them end up and a lot of them already have over on rogue.locals.com which is where i have the the rogue ways community where we can like post and chat just like you would on facebook uh, you know but facebook is just like youtube and they censor everything and they're pieces of shit so <laughs> on locals we don't get censored and we can do anything we want and it's just really nice um you know like we talked about a few times in this chat like this is <laughs> this is the type of way that i met my soulmate and a lot of my friends and um had really pretty cool life experiences but Beyond that, even, it's just nice to have that community, you know, where, you know, like, I'm not alone. I'm not crazy. And these people genuinely care about me. You know, we're not just in there to, like, stroke each other's egos. We're, like, sharing real life, too. And it's just a really supportive and awesome place. So I hope people want to go over there, too, because it's neat. I love that. And I love you. And I'm so glad you um, came and hung out with me. And um, yeah, if you have anything else left to say, feel free. But otherwise, um, have a great night. Yeah, I love you as well. And thank you so much for having me. And I can't wait to do it again. Oh, perfect. Me too. Awesome. Bye, <laughs> Lindsay. Bye. So she has been Cheney, and now she's off to smoke a blunt. See you next Tuesday, you fucking cunts. episode where you were like uh, I've decided my 
question that I ask everyone. I'll, I'll give you time to mull it over. <laughs> but uh, yeah, anyways, I won't do that. I will totally just hit you with it. I don't know why I like this I'm question. fine with that. I'm like, I've, I, that's why I did it. I'm like, I think it's fun to just like dive in and like be like, oh, okay, we're talking about this now because it gets people like out of whatever routine they were thought they were going to be in, you know, but... I just have had enough people that are like, oh man, I don't know. I don't know. It's so much pressure. Like, I don't know what to say. I'm like, oh my God, it's just, it's just a nothing question. You can say anything. You can say anything you want.